This episode of Behind the Bots is brought to you by Fingertech Robotics, North America's top manufacturer of combat robotics parts. If you're interested in building your first combat robot, check out Fingertech's Viper Kit, which includes everything you need to build a fully functional, competitive ant weight. Fingertech also carries a complete line of wheels, hubs, motors, and other components if you want to build a bot from the ground up. Check them out online at www.fingertechrobotics.com. From New Zealand, Curtis, Milford, Sack, Crossus. This is Behind the Bats, Crossus. The podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind the process. I'm Chris. I'm, I'm Luke. I'm Lindsay. And I am definitely Kyle. <laughs> and today on the podcast, our interview with Endgame Captain Nick Maybe and team member Jack Barker. We also have a very special surprise guest co-host this week, Rusty Captain Dave Eaton, who is here to help us break down this week's fights and tell us all about his match against Sporkinog. Yes, I missed my cue, but I am David and I am here. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> we'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox, Player FM, and Podbean. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Behind the Bots. And if you like what you hear, tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. Before we get into the news, it's time for yet another round of Snap Decisions, where we make ill-informed predictions about this week's fight card and score them against your ill-informed predictions. Last week, we had 16 people participate in Snap Decisions, a total of four called six out of last week's eight fights correctly. Those four are Cameron Hutton, Kyle's daughter, Evie, my Behind the Bots co-host, Lindsay Bear, and me! (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Two really big things stuck out for me from last week's data. The sure shot last week was Captain Shredderator versus Lockjaw. Of the 16 people who made a prediction on this match, 15 called it for Lockjaw. Meanwhile, the longest shot was the main event. Of the 15 people who made a prediction here, just two called it for Endgame, including me. Just saying. And that's not very nice. Now, is it, Purple? <laughs> um, all right. So uh, if you're ready, let's run through this week's fight card, and I can't wait to hear your predictions. Starting off with Shatter versus Ghost Raptor. Kyle, do you have a prediction for, uh, for Shatter versus Ghost Raptor? Uh, I am a former Brooklynite and big fan of Shatter. And um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say Shatter. I know they've gone full billet this year. I know they've done a lot of uh, a lot of work with their bot. Yeah, Shatter. All right, Chris. How about how about you, Lindsay? I'm definitely uh, going to go with uh, Shatter. All right. I too say Shatter, but really we all win because that bot is looking more beautiful than ever. So a clean I'm- sweep. Please. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go shatter as well. All right, Ribot versus Tracer. So we're gonna get our first look at this new rookie bot Tracer. Uh Kyle, your prediction on for this match. I feel as though I may be bucking a trend here, but I am going to go out on a limb and say Tracer. Wow, okay. All right. Back that up. Why 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 are you saying Tracer? Well, I think their minibot is really ingenious. I think that the bot itself looks like a solid construction. I thought that when we 
um, interviewed the team. They made some sense as far as their design decisions for their bot, and they've had plenty of time to practice with it. I mean, we've seen the video of them driving around and using the weapon. So yeah, I'm going to go with them. Attacking a frog is very different, though, from attacking a, uh, a pallet in a parking lot. You know. In oh, no area. doubt. No doubt. Pallets don't punch back. Frogs definitely do. All right. Tracer. Okay, how about you, Chris? How about you, Lindsay? I think I'm going to hang out on my lily pad, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with Ribot. Hmm, okay. Not to be a, a copycat, but I will say Ribot only because uh, it's the like you said, it's, it's very different fighting a pallet versus fighting something that's in the battle box for the very first time. And, and given that it's their very first match in the box, I'm going to say Ribot. But I, I do think Tracer is going to have a, a, a punishing feature in other matches. Okay. I am really split here, but I think I am going to go Ribot as well. So three for Ribot, one for Tracer. One of us will, will be right, or maybe three of us will be. All right, uh, next match, Kraken versus Black Dragon. This how, one how is super count? tough to call. I mean, you know, Black Dragon was such a dominating bot last season. But man, the work that has gone into Kraken this season is really impressive. It, the bot looks great. Um, I know Matt's put in a ton of effort. I think it's going to be Black Dragon, but by a scotch. Mm. All right. Uh, Chris, Lindsay? Yeah, I, I was really impressed with Black Dragon last season as well. I, I do know that Matt and team has put, you know, like, like you said, Kyle, a lot of work into Kraken. Uh, I don't know how effective, you know, Kraken will actually be able to like ensnare Black Dragon. It's a very, it's a very dense, compact bot. It's, you know, it's got a high energy weapon, you know, smack dab right in the middle of the front of it. You know, I think that's, that's a, that's a lot to bite off for, for Kraken. And so I'm going to, I'm going to have Black Dragon squeak this one out. Uh, I too will say Black Dragon, but I think it will go down to the judges and I think, the deciding factor will probably just be damage, uh, but I'm excited to see Kraken. Interesting predictions. I'm also going to go Black Dragon. I think the the one thing that we don't know this year is who's driving Black Dragon. It's a different driver this year and um, a different captain. Different everybody, right? I mean, it's a student team, so they switched it out for like basically the next class. Uh, Joao Marco, uh, last last year's captain, is appearing as a teammate. Um, but yeah, it's going to be uh, led by Gabriel Tellis this year. Um, so, you know, we, we may see a slightly different driving style. Um, but I mean, these kids build combat robots and compete all over uh, North America and South America. They are very, very good. Um, and so I think for that reason, I'm going to uh, to give it to Black Dragon. All right, next up, uh, <laughs> probably the most anticipated uh, match of, of the night. Huge versus Mammoth, the two biggest bots, uh, at least by height, <laughs> in the competition. It's um, a fight. Yeah, it's going to be a big one. Uh, what, what, what do you say, Kyle? Huge versus uh, Mammoth. Um, I really think that Huge has the weapon advantage. Certainly not the height advantage, but the weapon advantage in this match. I think that um, the nice thing about Huge is they are actually at the right height to hit the important parts of Mammoth. Um, and quite frankly, I mean, Mammoth's weight is almost entirely down on its base. You know, they, they'll be able to, to give them good hits up top and, and in the middle and kind of knock them over, knock them around, uh, knock them out, knock them up. 
you know, so I, I'm going to give it to huge. I think that there's just a physics advantage on huge here. All right, Chris. All right, Lindsay. I think, um, uh, mammoth is, uh, it's a, it's a bot designed to yeet. And I don't really think that huge is a easily yeetable bot. Um, very low in the yeet index. So I'm going to say that the damage will be done. Huge will be able to deliver uh, enough damage to the upper portions of, of Mammoth's, you know, uh, bot and maybe even immobilize it that way before uh, anything could potentially happen with with, Mam with uh, Mammoth flipping Huge somewhere, um, you know, into the screws or, you know, out of the box, which I don't even know if is possible with Huge. Do you think that uh, Jonathan Schultz will share with us his uh, his rankings of Yeet Index for every competitor after the season's over. Yeah, I hope that this exists. Yeah, this is <laughs> interesting. Smee, very low on the Yeetability Index. You know, I guess I guess who's who's high who's high on on the Yeetability Index? Kraken's high on the Yeetability Index. There's a lot to like grab and throw with that. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How about you, Lindsay? Huge versus Mammoth. I mean, part of me wants to say Mammoth just because I feel like I've gone, uh, I've had the same predictions as everyone else for the last few matches, but I, I do think it will end up being huge. Although I think that Mammoth will give it a good fight and I do see it being able to eat huge at, at least once. Wow. Um, I, I had previously predicted Mammoth and I'm going to stick by my, my Mammoth prediction. Um, the like some of the early images from this fight you can go see one today on mammoth's facebook page just looks wild like mammoth is not in the right position like it is wheels up in the air which is amazing for like a nine foot long bot and um i really think we're gonna see some big hits in this i just think it's gonna go to mammoth just based on what i know about um the upgrades they've made in the off season um, that that huge arm is now a lot faster and a lot more powerful, and um, I just I just think we're going to be seeing a lot more torque out out of that bot. Um, all right, on over to hijinks versus Claw Viper, two rookies um, from um, from BattleBots builders who have appeared on previous teams in uh, Jen Herkenroder, Orion Beach, and Kevin Milchewski. So uh, yeah, your thoughts on hijinks versus Claw Viper? Yeah, Hijinx is going to be spinning. As long as Hijinx is spinning, they will win this match. Um, Claw Viper is just not super well-suited for a bot like Hijinx. Then again, I don't know what is a bot that's well-suited for Hijinx. So, yeah, we'll see. All right, uh, Chris, Lindsay? Hijinx! Hijinx. Yeah, I'm also going to go Hijinx. All right, uh, Extinguisher versus Perfect Phoenix. Uh, two of the youngest drivers in the field uh, this this season. Perfect Phoenix, obviously driven by 11-year-old Tyler Wynn. And Extinguisher, driven by, I think, 18? I think he's 18. John Flack. Um, thoughts, on, thoughts on this match, Kyle? Hmm. Well, I think Tyler's got the driving advantage. Um, obviously. Extinguisher is an all-new build this year, though. This is a hard one to call, but I'm going to go ahead and give it to Perfect Phoenix. Just barely, though. I think it's okay. going to go to judges. All right. How about you, Chris? How about, how about you, Lindsay? This is one that I've honestly been going back and forth in my head uh, for a couple of days now. Um, I am going to give it to Extinguisher, though. Oh, wow. 
Okay. I am, and I'm sticking to it. I think um, I don't know if extinguisher is the right build for for this type of spinner. Uh, it, you know, in it, a whether it's a Blitzport, Perfect Phoenix, this is um, that's a that's a kind of a tall order uh, with the wheels uh, exposed on the outside like that. I'm gonna have to say uh, that it's a Perfect Phoenix uh, match. All right, I'm also gonna go Perfect Phoenix. And finally, our main event. Witch Doctor versus Hydra, two super anticipated bots for 2020. Brand new builds, more powerful than ever before. Uh, Kyle, your prediction on the main event? Uh, Hydra. Hydra, okay. Hydra. The okay. reason being, I mean, honestly, these two bots are pretty good, evenly matched when it comes to um, driving style as well as, eh, Mike's a little bit better of a driver, but not by much. Um, but but I think it goes to Hydra for the simple fact that Witch Doctor has uh, has everything it needs to launch bots very high into the air. Um, I don't think Witch Doctor has what it takes to be launched in the air multiple times. Uh, also, the Waiachi boys have been extremely confident about this match on the internet, whereas they were not very confident about their match with fusion last week so that gives me a little bit of a hint that maybe uh, they feel like they can win this one who knows a but little that's my reading thought. of the tea leaves from kyle i love it all right Lindsay, chris your thoughts the facebook uh and the social media hype that they're trying to give this match the uh, team Wayachi, is giving me pause um because i i don't know that they would do that quite so much if they lost this fight but i i still believe that witch doctor is gonna take it uh, like if i if i if i was able to divorce my knowledge from like their facebook postings which like but to be honest like who knows who much ha knows how much weight that carries but if i was uh, able to divorce myself from that knowledge uh i would have called it for witch doctor so i'm gonna continue to go for witch doctor hmm I think that this this fight's obviously going to be really heavily informed by like the first, you know, 20 30 seconds in the match. Witch Doctor has been, you know, continuously pushing that weapon further and further out for that reach advantage, but I don't know if it's yet like designed to to kind of pick up a bot that is so low profile like Hydra. Um, you know, Hydra doesn't really care who it's up against. Its its goal is to get underneath anything in front of it. So if if in that first 20 seconds, you know, Hydra is able to kind of start being more aggressive, being more of a bully in the match, it very well could beat Witch Doctor. However, I'm just going to say with, you know, all of that experience with that same style of bot, Witch Doctor is probably going to pull this one out. Okay. Yeah. I am also going to go Witch Doctor. And this is despite us seeing just a microsecond of a clip of Hydra launching Witch Doctor basically into the ceiling um like so high that you can't even tell that there's an audience at all um so i'm really excited for that shot and um i i i just i i'm gonna disagree with kyle in that i think that witch doctor has worked on the reliability of their robot so that they will be able to land and continue going and that that weapon i think is going to to really find find a piece of hydra and uh and really do some damage but absolutely hyped for for this main event uh you know this this past thursday's main event was incredible this is an incredible main event really really stoked for for this fight 
All right, uh, let's head over to uh, check in on this week's combat robotics news. I have five news items for you today, including one that's kind of controversial. All right, first up, BattleBots is launching a new spinoff show next month called BattleBots Bounty Hunters. PopCulture.com reports that up-and-coming teams will take on legendary bots like Tombstone, Bronco, Witch Doctor, Son of Wayachi, Beta, and Ice Wave for bragging rights, a spot in BattleBots history, and a $25,000 cash prize. The new show premieres January 4th on Discovery's new streaming service, Discovery Plus. This week, we also got some more clarification around the programming schedule. BattleBots agreed to deliver a total of 40 hours of programming to the Discovery Channel, which will break out into 28 hours of programming on Discovery and 12 hours of programming on the new Bounty Hunters show on Discovery Plus. Discovery Plus will cost $5 per month with ads and $7 per month without ads. I, we, we, we got this kind of programming clarification yesterday, and I've been mulling it over today. I would love to hear your thoughts about this change. Just but to clarify, we record on Monday. So we got this, or we record on Monday. Usually we're recording on Tuesday today. So we got this news on Monday. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> um, what do I think? Man. Before... Before we jump into to coverage of scheduling, first I'll have to ask uh, David if you could have Rusty fight any of the legends of BattleBots, who would you challenge in Bounty Hunters? Oh, that's an easy one. Uh, Ice Wave. Ice Wave all the way. Gotta love a two stroke motor and a robot. You don't see it these days. You know what I'm talking about? There's something about when something fires up and it's like, and it's smoking. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of like. Kind of like bringing a dinosaur in, you know, it's got life to it. And I actually think Rusty would do phenomenal against Ice Wave. That's part of the reason as well. And a lot of that is because that uh, the big old turret in front of Rusty, uh, that'll that'll soak up the uh, spinning action. And then as long as I can not drive into the walls erratically and I, I, can, I can keep him <laughs> aimed at Ice Wave, um, I just got to stay on top of him, and I don't think he'd be able to spin up. And then from there on out, I would just give him a nice little, you know, little acupuncture for a while, and things would be good. I, I, I it's it is the perfect matchup for Rusty. You know, one well placed, uh, you know, um, uh, 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 piercing through the top of that two stroke motor, as you as you pointed out, and that thing might go off like a stick of dynamite. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. I doubt he carries a lot of fuel in it because he's only got to run it for three minutes. But uh, yeah, he's got the motor up there, and I mean, we'll have to see. I'm sure that this is a new and improved ice wave. We'll have to see what he does with the top armor and stuff like that on the bot. But definitely, it, it is kind of a dream matchup for Rusty. The only downfall of it is, is I'm gonna get hit in the face. So if my eye sockets get ripped off, I'll be kind of upset. I uh, I think Chris that we are flirting dangerously close to NDA territory because we know that Rusty wins bounty hunters and takes home twenty five thousand dollars and then later in the season takes home the giant nuts so like you know we really shouldn't be uh, hinting dangerous yeah blew it up <laughs> like Rusty defeats Ice Wave blow up yes right yeah. I mean. I mean, Rusty, when he comes back next year, will be gold-plated. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> See, I was going to ask if when Rusty comes back next year, is he going to have an internal combustion engine? I mean, that's that's the real question. Mm. I don't know if I can give that kind of uh, information away. I, I like keeping – I like – oh, man, I'm almost giving information away by not giving information away. I like keeping <laughs> – <laughs> I mean, 
I kind of I kind of lurked in the shadows up until I rolled onto the uh, the scene. Um, I kind of do that in a lot of ways. I like to I like to keep little secrets and kind of and have things to myself for a while, and then be like, boom, you know, exciting. But um, I don't know, and I, I wouldn't. I will say an internal combustion engine is not out of the design for Rusty 2.0. Oh. It would, it would. I mean, it would be a great Mad Max aesthetic. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then I could I could mix the oil so thick for the motor that I could create a smoke stream by by accident, and then we'd be good to go. <laughs> so this is the exclusive that we've just broken on this show. Dave Eaton does not have uh, is not coming into BattleBots with no teammates because he doesn't want teammates. He's coming in because he doesn't trust anybody. Exactly. <laughs> and they would all be like, "No, we're doing electric motors," and I would be like, "No, we're doing a large internal combustion engine." <laughs> Bring back the steam engine. Just oh do it. My God. Hey, I would. Do we get a steam engine bonus? Can we be like 800 pounds of the steam engine? <laughs> I mean, it's a 900 pound limit for a steampunk inspired walker. Oh, yeah. Steam powered. That's what I'm talking about. It's got a choo choo, though. It has to choo choo. Otherwise, oh, it doesn't yeah. count. I need a 900 pound rusty that's like five times bigger than current rusty. Just huge like you could ride in on it you know like that's 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 what i need in my life <laughs> that would be a that would be a kind of bad idea yeah um, all right so yeah back, back to this programming change you know um initially BattleBots announced that they they had they had picked up 40 hours of programming on discovery and i think that that our assumption was this is going to be five months of programming on cable and that the show would end sometime in April if it ran consecutively. Like people were like, oh my God, five months of programming. That's fantastic. Now it's more like 28 hours of programming and 12 hours that are now behind a paywall. Um, I certainly have strong feelings about it, but I definitely want to hear about your thoughts on this. You know, um, Kyle, Chris, Lindsay, can we, can we, can we talk about this, you know, in a delicate way? <laughs> Yeah. I already, I've already hit my max of like subscription services, so I'm gonna have to get rid of something in order to pick up Discovery's subscription service. So maybe I should ask the listeners, uh, what subscription service should I get rid of? What subscription services do you have right now, Kyle? Uh, let's see. I've got Disney. Okay. I've got Hulu's. Okay. I got Netflix. Yeah. And I got CBS. Okay. And that's it. I don't want any more than that. So which one of those should I get rid of? I, I actually have the exact same four and I have cable TV. So I'm paying like a hundred something dollars a month for entertainment. And now they're asking for like five to seven dollars for six hours of BattleBots. I'm not interested in anything else on Discovery Channel, you know? Um, so yeah, I guess I guess that's that's the question. I, I'm going to say, uh, controversially, I think I might drop Netflix for like a month and a half so that I can get Discovery Plus. That's actually not a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, Lindsay, how, how many uh, subscription services do you do you have? I, I think we have the same as what you just said. We have Netflix, we have Hulu, we have Disney Plus, we have CBS. Yep, we have Shutter. We have the Dude. Lifetime Movie Network. Okay. Have, hold on, I I can keep going. Lindsay, <laughs> membership. That's for a gym she hasn't stepped in for five years. 
we, okay. we, we collect these things. Okay, that's not what they asked. <laughs> Streaming. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, so it's not about the money. It's about the principle of the thing. And it's 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 kind of unfortunate because there's going to be a whole bunch of people that are really into it. And then, like, you know, like you said, part of that content is stuck behind a paywall, paywall and they can't get the full experience. Now, I understand Discovery Plus is launching. It's a big new thing. And it's several of their channels all combined. They really want to get people uh, interested, like, you know, from across, like, the spectrum of different types of people. So it's like it, it, it's 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 people who want to renovate their house. It's people who like gold rush stuff, and you know whatever. But um, you know I, mm. I I I don't I don't necessarily like them fishing here in the BattleBots community to try to drive those numbers there. Um, and it just seems uh, I don't know, just a little uh, a little a little disrespectful that it was that it, like that a decision like that was made so you know or was was shared with us so late. Mm, okay. Mm. I mm. agree on all of those counts. Uh, the fact that we were told up front that we were going to have, you know, 40 hours of content. That's what we went in expecting, that it was going to be a long season. How wonderful. Now this season has already begun airing and we just find this out. It feels really um, greedy. It feels really icky because I think a lot of people who still have cable uh, are families um, and so it just seems like it's like, okay. And they're just expecting like loyal fans to now go get discovery plus, um, because they're loyal and they want to see all the content, but then it just feels like we're being punished for being loyal, caring, good fans. Um, and it just, I, you know, I want to reiterate that, you know, like the battle box product battle bots production has nothing to do with this. This is like all discoveries call, so I'm not mad at BattleBots, but I do think that this is a really shady, just kind of like icky, gross move on the part of Discovery that like, great, now I get to pay five or seven extra dollars so that these people can just like line their pockets even more. I don't know. I don't like it. This is the angriest I've seen you, Lindsay, in like easily a year. Oh, uh, it's only because you haven't seen me very much this year. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that's true. That's true. That's true. I, I'm I'm going to I'm going to catch all of this by saying that I know that we are all going to sign up for Discovery Plus. I know that we are because we love BattleBots this much. Um, but yes, I will agree. It seems a little cash grabby. Like I, it's kind of like it's it's one of these decisions where it's like not a great experience for the fans, but it's like really great for the network. So like um, I, I don't know. I mean and. And to be fair, I also don't know a lot of details about the the deal or um, what bounty hunters will entail. Like, is it going to look and feel like a really different show, or is it basically like peeling off, you know, six episodes that we would normally have seen on cable and just putting it, in the, shoving it in with like a new title card? I don't know. So um, I guess we'll have to wait and see. And um, yeah, it'll be in. I'm actually going to chime in a little bit. It'll be interesting Good. to see if, if they, uh, I'm also curious cause we were excited. I mean, I have no cable. The only stream, Julie, what do we have? We have, I think Disney plus we have Disney plus what Netflix. Oh, and Hulu. That's right. We have Hulu, but don't we have, okay. But whatever we have those three. Yeah. And, uh, oh yeah. And prime. Otherwise I can't get my parts delivered fast enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hey, it's, it's a, 
Amazon, they're good. The, yeah. the, Jeff, the Jeff Bezos billionaire fund is very good. They, yeah. You order stuff and they show up at like your bedroom window at night and they're like, <laughs> here it is five minutes later. But anyways, I, the whole, like Amazon prime went from, you give us this fee, we'll get you everything that you need in two days. And then they turned it in 2020 to be like, listen, you give us the money. I, I, I swear it'll be there in two days between two days and the 15th somewhere, <laughs> somewhere in there. The tracking's not going to work and right. your, to your toilet paper will never come. But right. If you, you see a guy running across your yard towards your house in the middle of the night, it's just he's just delivering your package. Don't be worried. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I, I'm curious to see if what they do, because we were happy that they put the uh, season on uh, Amazon so that we could order the season because we just wanted to have a copy of the season. Right. Obviously, being on right. it, it's nice to be like, hey, fam, let's go watch me dance. Um, and so I'm really curious to see if they do that or if it is a discovery plus exclusive, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat as you guys. Um, if it is a discovery plus exclusive, I will be a discovery plus subscriber. <laughs> so, uh, at least, at least for, at least for while the show airs. Yeah. So, um, that yeah. being said, I didn't know that they repo helicopters, but that is a show. <laughs> The other thing that I'm interested in is like if they do have this digital streaming service, you know why cut why cap the season at 40, 40 hours? You could show every fight on Discovery Plus in its own mm. battle pop area, you know. And if that was the case, okay, sure. Where do I sign up? You know, if there could be a hundred hours of BattleBots content throughout the year, it's not just waiting for the season. If you have this streaming service, and you know, if they explored something like that, I think that you would it would be a much better lure. Uh, for someone like me, then to um, then to split up the season that I'm I'm looking forward to watching now. Well, and, and you you hit the nail on the head. I, I think what they're what they're figuring is is that the younger generations and stuff we're moving away from cable yeah. largely, and so a lot of our a lot of our viewer base is in there. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And so they're figuring that while well, we're going to create a streaming service, and now we're going to make it so we can make seasons whenever we can put shows up whenever we can leave them up. You know what I mean? That kind of stuff. Because, like me, for example, I like sitting in front of my TV, not because not because I'm a lazy millennial, but because I'm a busy millennial, and I want to turn on the TV and have instant access to yeah. a show. And so, I mean, I, I think as far as accessibility, I think streaming is is a great thing for BattleBots. It's just you know, yeah. a matter of whether or not they make it. Because again, are you going to get Discovery Plus exclusively for BattleBots, and then are they going to run the show, or are they going to have fights and stuff throughout the year? Maybe, maybe that's what Greg wants to do. You know, I know that he has talked about wanting to have more fights and more competitions throughout the year, so maybe that's part of the plan. I don't know. Yep, we can hope. Yeah, it would right. be cool if the entire season of BattleBots was available on this as well as the bounty hunter series you know what i mean like that has a lot of value i think you're right dave for those cord cutter millennials for the younger folks that just don't do cable tv uh, that does have a lot of value but I, if it's just the bounty hunter series then uh it's gonna be like cbs you've got my money while star trek is on and then when star trek is done you don't have my money anymore right i was just gonna ask you guys why you had cbs and now i'm like God, Dave, Star Trek. You got to get Star CBS. Trek. That's the only reason to have CBS is because, you know, Picard and Discovery. That's it. Below decks. Star Trek below decks. That's oh, like yeah. so good. Yeah. I, 
It was Highly okay. recommend. Kyle, get out of here. All right, listen, true Star Trek fans, you know that what I'm saying is true. Okay, all right. <laughs> all right, uh, speaking of streaming, um, the BattleBot season premiere is now streaming on Discovery Go for free with ads and is available for purchase on Amazon Prime Video for $2 per episode or $20 for the entire season. Meanwhile, for our friends up north, the show will begin airing on Discovery Canada on Friday, December 20th. And finally, I want to do a tiny bit of self-promotion to tell you about two other places where you can find us this week, Tale of the Tape and Norwalk Havoc. Andrea and Mike Galately from Witch Doctor and Will Bales from Hypershock invited us on Tale of the Tape to ask the most thought-provoking fan question of the week, which turned into two questions from BattleBot superfan Mary Catherine Carr. It was a lot of fun, and we're looking forward to doing similar segments with them again soon. Separately, this Saturday, catch Kyle and me on the Norwalk Havoc live stream where we'll be doing live commentary for the Norwalk Havoc 2020 Beetleweight Championship, where the winner will walk away with $10,000 in cash. Lots of top builders from BattleBots will be competing in Norwalk this weekend, so look for the live stream link on Saturday morning. All right, let's uh, switch gears and get into our recap of last week's fights. Um, first off, I would love to get your thoughts on kind of the general format changes of the show. Um, obviously, we saw the upper boxes uh we saw farouk kind of standing outside of the battle box you know like kind of no red blue uh, red square blue square square kind of um introductions um but otherwise you know BattleBots seemed pretty conventional you know like i didn't really miss kind of a lot of the elements that i thought i would miss um i'm, I'm curious uh to get your thoughts on, on on the format changes before we start i want to ask you dave did you get your own opera box where you were just all by yourself? <laughs> or did they like let you hang out with another team in one of their opera boxes that you had to like quarantine with? How did that work for you? Um, you'll see. Sometimes I'm up there all alone in a box in the corner. I would uh, typically sneak in there when I saw an empty box and try to like hang out. It, 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 it was, I usually was like, yeah, I want to go hang out with someone. You know, like I'd want to hop in a box like Scorpios or something. And I'd go up there and, you know, the part of the problem is obviously we have the distance. And then if we're near each other, so obviously you're outside of your social unit. My social unit was me and Dave. So when I went up into a box with another team, we'd all have to wear masks and stuff again. And that's not as exciting, right? Cause then you can't see people's faces. And then obviously we're wearing the masks like 24 seven. So, um, but yeah, you'll see me in some opera boxes by myself. Um, and I, I was in some boxes with some other teams at time and we were distancing and whatnot. What was, what was, and I'm going to compliment the production on this. What was super impressive was how they constantly tested us with on the spot, like rapid results. So we pretty much every day, which was part of what worked, worked out so well, we knew day to day, you know, do we have COVID coming in or do we not have COVID coming in? So the, I would say even, you know, it was like they made the whole building almost like a control zone, which was very impressive. And then they went above mm. and beyond that. So it was really impressive. But yeah, usually I'd have to be in an opera box all by me lonesome. Hmm. Um, what, what, what was the experience like inside of the opera boxes? You know, like you're getting a front row seat at these just amazing matches and you know, you have a great vantage point too, you know, it looks like, you know, from, from the audience. I think I rolled in the first year I rolled in, I, it was spoiled. We had a ton of real estate around our, our, our pits. So, um, 
I mean, a ton of real estate, which I'm told is not the norm. And then we also had, which I loved, we had these big opera boxes where we had bird's eye views of the matches. And that was the best thing because you could sit in one spot, you were comfortable, you were high up, you could see every little detail of the fight. And that was awesome. I mean, I, I usually, you know, we're like hiding in the background, you know, we're running around, you know, behind the boxes and watching screens and stuff. But to be able to have your like own VIP section to go sit up there and watch the fights. I mean, don't get me wrong. We want the fans back. We love the fans. Fans are the best, right? We want the audience, but at the same time, we're, I'm, I know I'm going to miss the opera boxes a little bit. Yeah, totally. Hopefully they'll be able to kind of integrate that back with the fans. I mean, I could see a really cool experience where you have the opera boxes and then on the sides you have, you know, hundreds of fans. Um, but you know, like they can also kind of look up into the stands and see their favorite builders too, which would be really fun. Yeah, that would be, that would be very cool. Or even if they, or even if they have boxes near each other and you can have the Mm. other, you know, you can have a box for the fans on the left and you can have teams in a, a box right next to them. The fans would probably like that too. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Um, all right, let's get into our first match of the night, Whiplash versus Sawblaze. Um, you know, pretty interesting technical match. I mean, these these are these are both bots that um, are able to control kind of the, the pace of, of the fight. You know, we saw Whiplash come out with these really tall um, kind of, um, they're not really wedges. What, 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 what would you call those? You know, these kind of hard-mounted armor pieces, you know? Um, and and Sawblaze, you know, was really trying to go for for the low ground in this. Um, and in their post match breakdown, um, Sawblaze really said that it could have gone either way. Um, but I, I'd love to get get your thoughts on on this fight. Yeah, I think that these are two really you know evenly matched bots. Um, but I, I think that the reason why Sawblaze was kind of able to um, you know, to, to squeeze this one out was because it is able to turn and maneuver just that much faster than whiplash. And that's where it kind of got access to the, you know, some of those devastating side shots that allowed it to kind of get around those two armor plates that it had in the front. Those armor plates were a great idea. Uh, you know, there were a couple occasions where you saw saw blazes, uh, arm, the articulating, uh, saw arm actually stopped at the top of those. And that's exactly what they were going for. Uh, but, you know, there was nothing that they could really do for that side attack. And Jameson went into the fight knowing that he had to get around the side of Whiplash. And, you know, that's that's just what he was able to do. And because he was able to do that a couple of times, you know, that's that's how he started to get the advantage. And, uh, you know, once he started kind of whittling away at Whiplash, that's, that's, that's just the path that they went down. Yeah, super, super exciting match. Two really good drivers. Yeah. Um, and and both of those primary weapons landed pretty big damage. Um, you know, they they posted photos after the match um, of Sawblaze's uh, saw just cutting through the chassis of, of Whiplash, and you know, Whiplash also kind of grabbing um, a piece of of the right wheel of Sawblaze. Um, so so yeah, this this was a this was a really really amazing match to kind of kick off the uh, the season premiere. And actually, I'll throw in. I kind of wonder, and I I never got the chance to ask some of the other builders. I, I guess they'll probably talk about it on the show. I wonder how much the new floor makes a difference too. Hmm. That's another that's another tidbit because I mean the old floor has probably been around for a while patched, but I'm sure that builders even you know you get used to having a certain grip and a certain turning speed and whatnot. 
and then you go around and change the floor and now you got a whole new friction uh, a whole new friction layout to play with so i, I don't know it'd be kind of interesting to see what some of the other teams say jameson yeah. has said that he worked on floor scraping as far as his different components go for a lot of like because he has all those different like wedgelets and wedge attachments and he said that because he knew the floor was going to be flatter he worked a lot on making sure that ground clearance was like you know his main game i, I think that uh that whiplash just didn't make that adaptation especially for this fight you know they wanted to have that high high armor protection mm -hmm. um my only question about this fight was the weapon choice that whiplash made you know i I know they have a thicker disc, and I, I'm curious as to why they decided to go with the thinner one. Maybe it was a weight issue with those big armor plates um, that they had to kind of make that trade-off. But, yeah, ultimately, the ground scraping. The ground scraping is what did it. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Bob Waves was just able to over and over and over and over get under <laughs> Whiplash, and that that really just took away the, the opportunity for Whiplash to really do much. There were some some um, uh, instances where Whiplash was able to, you know, do some damage to Sawblaze with, with that weapon. Um, and a, a, a few times in the beginning, I thought maybe this was going to go, you know, either way. And at the beginning of the match, I would have bet money that it was going to go the full three minutes. Um, but, I mean, I think just Sawblaze looks better than ever. It's being driven better than ever. It looks like more reliable than ever because it's it it really just kept going right around through the end, even after taking some lashes. And you know, obviously, I love Sawblaze so much, but I really think that this could be a season where they go. You know, I, they went really far last season, but I, I think that they have what it takes to really, really go far this year. All right, let's uh, let's head on over to Mad Catter versus. Um... Mad Catter versus Fusion, you know, our, our first look at Fusion. I think uh, for me, this this match, there were a couple things that that stood out. One, um, a dominant driving performance from Mad Catter driver Calvin Iba. Um, also, you know, like kind of uh, speed controller, kind of fire issues, you know, with with um, with Fusion. And um, and and also, you know, um, the this kind of first glimpse at the the physics of fusion you know um where we have kind of one plane of motion that is in direct opposition to the other main weapon on the robot and kind of how we may see some interesting kind of gyro forces like if if the the bot gets kind of pulled up you know into the air um i, I would love to get your thoughts i know this was a, a relatively fast match but uh but your your thoughts on mad catter versus fusion I, I couldn't believe how fast out of the gate Mad Madcatter was. It if you blinked, you missed. You know that was the substance of the fight right there. Fusion just wasn't really going to be able to like get back on top after you know uh, just being knocked completely off their feet by Madcatter right at right out of the gate. Yeah, yeah. Calvin's Calvin's a fantastic driver. You know, um, so it doesn't surprise me that we are seeing such a strong kind of initial performance from Madcatter. Um, this really looks like, like, like a bot to watch this, this season. I will say I have a little bit of insider information. Uh, oh. apparently Calvin, um, has had access to the bot the entire time. They were ready to go in April. So they spent the entirety of the kind of, you know, quarantine time and downtime, uh, working on the drive, you know, so Calvin got 
hundreds of hours of driving practice in. They got, wow. you know, they got, uh, they changed out wheels. They changed out gearboxes. They, they basically kept adjusting it and adjusting it until the drive system worked exactly as Calvin kind of preferred. Um, so, you know, this is a bot that is attuned to its driver. And that is, I mean, that is invaluable. You know, that's something that we've never really been able to see because these build times have been so short. You know, it's like, all right, you know, you've got, you got two months to build a bot. Good luck. See you later. Mm. Um, and, and that's not the case this time. You know, Calvin's had a lot of time. Also, they worked out a ton of the kinks on this bot in China. You know, mm. this is. This is the same same bot, same design that they brought to China. So a lot of that that kind of shaking out and getting rid of those issues and getting rid of those gremlins already happened. So Mad Catter is a bot to watch this year. I mean, between Calvin's driving and the apparent reliability of the bot, that's that's going to be something to watch. I I guess my big question is, you know, is Fusion going to work out its issues, or are we? going to see another really interesting experimental robot from Team Wayachi that has just a single season. Um, you know, thoughts thoughts on, on, on the design now that we've seen, you know, 30 seconds of it before it caught fire? I think it's uh, having your cake and eating it too. I think, you know, uh, what, what's, the, what's the old saying go? Um, never half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing. <laughs> Right, right. Well said, Chris. All right, um, on over to uh, the most entertaining fight of of the night. I think Axe backwards versus Malice. You know, um, huge fireball. I always love to see fire inside of the battle box. Um, Malice. You know, our, our first look at this really interesting rookie bot. You know, um, running a sixty five pound horizontal drumette that spins at one hundred and eighty miles per hour. Um, you know, for me, I, I was looking for whether we were going to see Malice bouncing all around the box because every single time it delivers energy into its opponent, you know, it's, it's getting an equal amount of energy going back into the robot, but we saw really good reliability and, you know, like the, the body is chonky, the wheels are chonky, you know, it seems like it's pretty low to the ground. Um, and, you know, was able to, to, get this really crucial part of, uh, of Kurt's, Kurt's robot. Um, and we saw kind of this flamethrower tank, I'm assuming, explode into, uh, into fire. So uh, your, your thoughts on this match and uh, our first look at Malice. Oh, man. Okay. So if the goal of BattleBots was to win, I would really question the idea of a bot that's had the reliability issues of Axe Backwards deciding to add something, any new component, right? Right. Um, you know, it, it, they're trying to get the thing functional. They're trying to get the wheel to weapon ratio right. That's really been a big challenge that they've had. And then they're like, and then also, let's just add this other component that we've never had before, the flamethrower. Um, obviously, that yeah. didn't didn't work out great. I know that the, the goal of BattleBots isn't necessarily to win for every team, right? The goal is to put on a great show, to learn, to have a good time, to, you know, have the experience of BattleBots. Um, but man, I wonder how much Kurt regretted that decision after, uh, after that explosion. I mean, that's a, that's just a hard way to start out your season. Yeah. I was gonna, I was, I started for a button in, I was chuckling because you were like, Oh, you know, you're having some issues and stuff. Let's put a bomb inside of the robot. That sounds like a good idea. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, yes. I mean, you know, Axe Backwards also delivered, you know, a very memorable moment uh, last season when it was just split into pieces. And, you know, now it's exploded in its first, in its first match. Um, I, I will say that when this robot makes it onto television, it's always entertaining to watch. Um, and I, I really uh, appreciate Kurt's kind of willingness to continue to go back and rebuild the robots. You know, the idea itself is sound. Um, you know, it's, it is the largest weapon, you know, in the field. Uh, it just continues to get plagued by, by these kinds of, uh, of, of reliability issues. And in this case, you know, just strap a, strap a huge bomb to it. Not great, yeah. but, um, but yeah, congratulations to Malice, you know, very interesting design. Looking forward to uh, seeing more from Bunny and her team. Um, all right. On over to Bloodsport versus Scorpios. Great match here. Oh my God. Uh, super solid teams, really solid bots. Um, as, as I was writing up my show notes for, for this match, um, I realized that, um, that both uh, Diana Tarlson and Zach Lytle from Scorpios and Justin Marple from Bloodsport, they are captains that take this sport so seriously that they have mapped out kind of like every single scenario. They have mapped out the configuration that they're going to bring into the box for every single type of opponent that they could face, you know, and it just so happened that in this case, Bloodsport was was able to choose the right configuration. Um, I was I was talking to uh, Bloodsport teammate Seth Schaefer um, after after this match, and he said that for for them they were really surprised that Scorpios went with such a a light um, saw um, saw blade for for this match because um, this is more of kind of like a cutting saw versus like a hammer impacting saw um and they were worried that if if scorpios had gone with with a heavier weapon you know they would have been able to shake something loose inside of bloodsport um but uh but instead bloodsport was able to deliver just this massive hit peel away part of the front of scorpios um and uh and really kind of see like the the most we've seen like the most damage you know um that scorpios has ever kind of a uh you know, uh, experienced uh, on BattleBots in in this uh, in this first first episode. Um, your thoughts on on Bloodsport versus uh, versus Scorpios? Poor Scorpios. I tell you what, when I was in there, I remember going over and seeing him after the fight. It was, I mean, that is one heck of a plow on the front of Scorpios. I mean, that thing is incredibly thick, and it held together. But I mean, Bloodsport, what an animal! Just, just ripped the. I mean, it split the chassis open. And yeah. there's obviously some pictures and stuff floating around about it. But I mean, I think what was impressive is um, Scorpios. I mean, you guys hit the nail on the head. Jack and Diana, they are focused. They are into this. They are, they are there to win. And they made tons of incredible improvements on Scorpios. I personally think that fight at any point could have went either way. Obviously the box is chaotic and things happen and whatnot, but um, blood sport, they, they turn the weapon off and on at the perfect times. They, they would get their distance spin back up and they just kept hit after hit after hit on Scorpios. And obviously they deal, they put out a ton of energy because it just split Scorpios in half. And um, it, 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 in some ways, I, I mean, I, 
I don't know. You, you want to talk about kinetic energy and putting out a lot of damage. Bloodsport made me a believer that they might be the top contender for that spot this year. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely think that Bloodsport is is a top eight, top four bot in 2020. Um, I, I really think they're going to go deep into the competition. Um, it's it's just it's an incredible feat of engineering. Um, I, I we we got to see kind of Bloodsport version one in person. Um, really, really looking forward to seeing Bloodsport version two if it's uh, ever on display in the Northeast. You know, uh, after after uh, COVID's over. Um, just because it it looks meticulous um, in all of the photos and videos that they've they've posted so far. On over to Captain Shredderator versus Lockjaw. Seemed like weirdly mismatched. You know, Lockjaw super dominant bot against Captain Shredderator, which has won two of its last twelve matches on BattleBots. Um, you know, predictably, you know, I I think that most people called this one. Um, Captain Shredderator was uh, again plagued by uh, reliability issues. And, um, and later, you know, people even on their own page, their own fans asked why Captain Shredder has a break at all, like a breaking mechanism. And, uh, apparently without a break, Captain Shredder would take like seven or eight, or eight minutes to spin down completely after shutting off their, their main weapon, which is pretty amazing. Like that really shows how powerful that weapon is. Um, and they put the break in place so they can pass safety because one of the safety requirements is that you can turn off your, your main weapon in under a minute. Um, but yeah, this, this, uh, this was a pretty, pretty fast match and it seemed mismatched. Um, thoughts on Captain Shredderator versus Lockjaw? I wanted Captain Shredderator to win so bad. I, I love both teams. They're both obviously legends in the sport. They've been around forever. I really yeah. wanted Brian to come away with a victory. And I don't know who he pissed off, but he's cursed. <laughs> I mean, it seems yeah. like every time I talk to him after a match, he's like, this one thing, like this bolt, you know, like something, it was like, it was like something had a flaw in it or this popped out, you know, they had it in the, the first episode. He's like, this one little pin that I've used thousands of times before, it popped out, and it locked up the break, and it's like, ugh. And so, I mean, I think Captain Shredderator, if Brian can get back to the glory days of Captain Shredderator, I think he will spin to win. Um, and again, he seems to always be one little tiny issue away from that. Hmm. And again, maybe, maybe, maybe it's a, maybe it's a series of bad luck. Um, again, a, 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 a Captain Shredderator does dump a lot. I mean, again, it takes him how long to spin down. There is so much energy in that bot. And I think if he can get the Gremlins worked out, Captain Shredderator can come back. I really do. Um, again, Lockjaw, Donald Hudson also seems to keep improving Lockjaw. Lockjaw is doing a great job. I've always liked his uh, floating and controlled forks on the front. He does a great job of maneuvering and getting under other bots. That's that's another thing he always seems to have going for him. I know you guys were talking about like Sawblaze. He's got that floor game down pretty well if he can keep the bot aimed at the other person. And mm. his little uh, his little wedge on the back does seem to do work. On the flip side, though, I mean, again, Captain Shredderator ripped off half of that uh, wedge on the back of Lockjaw. So, again, True. he did he did have the the brake pin issue, but that could have been that fight could have gone either way had Captain Shredderator been able to deliver a couple more good hits. I think that's a valid point. I mean, you're right. It, Brian ripped that wedge off the back of, of, uh, of Lockjaw pretty quick and easy. Like that was, that could have gone a completely different way. Mm -hmm. I wanted to see, uh, a real fight, 
you know, one where there weren't issues, where everybody was at the top of their game. I think that would have been a lot of fun, especially with these two guys that have been doing it for so long. You know, mm-hmm. Brian's a lot of people don't know driving a full body spinner is hard. You know, it's, it's a lot of work to keep that thing pointed in the right direction to keep it from going off course. Brian's an excellent driver and it's really unfortunate. We didn't get to see a full match. He is an excellent driver. I mean, look at, I mean, he, he, he moves captain shredder around with some pretty, some, some severe precision. You're right. All that energy in that body spinning around, especially if you, it does get damaged and it becomes unbalanced is incredibly hard to keep the robot direct. And he does a phenomenal job of it. Yep. All right, let's uh, get into the main event. Uh, Rusty versus Sporkanok. Uh, you know, Dave, we we invited you on because we wanted to hear kind of like a like a you know the story of your first fight, like at BattleBots. Um, you know, like I like I feel like so many fans who watch the show kind of imagine what it would be like to to be standing there kind of pressing the button, watching the lights go kind of like what those feelings are. Um, so I, I'd love to just kind of hear, hear that story from your perspective, you know, like how did you prepare for the fight? What were you thinking about as, as you were getting ready and what was it like, like when they closed those doors, lock them and, and you know, you're, you're ready to go. Um, I was really, you know, you talk about the lights. I was drawn like a moth to a flame. Half the time they were saying things in my ear and I was like, I can't hear you. The lights are flashing. <laughs> and it It's funny because I always thought um, I would be more relaxed and more calm than I was. I mean, the amount of adrenaline and the excitement and the sheer uh, just just the sensory overload is whatever you think it's going to be. It's 10 times that. I mean, it was just. Mm. There's people all around you. People are looking at you. They're directing you. You got all these. You got all these different cues and stuff you're supposed to be keeping track of. But at the same time, again, leading up to it, uh, I rolled in. I rolled in uh, the second day, and um, again, I'm rolling into somebody. The night before I left, we talk about Mad Cat or getting driving time and stuff. And I had a couple of pretty big issues with Rusty right before I left. Some of his electronics decided to stop working properly, but I ended up leaving late that night. And then I had about a 32 hour drive, which I made from, uh, I made it from 12 AM Friday. And I was in long beach, California by I think three or 4 PM Saturday. Wow. So I, I made the road trip, obviously. I, I was terribly unprepared because again, I was like last minute, I'm trying to get stuff together and I was weeks up to it. I was, I was staying up as long as I possibly could before I would fall asleep to get him ready and going. I was like, I've got to make it. I got to do it. So I got out there and I was already kind of flustered and stuff. Cause I was like, did I forget something? You know, I'm going to like walk in with this old big green cooler that I brought with because I needed something to carry tools in the back of my truck. Um, my hydraulic cart wasn't even put together. And I'm like, man, they're probably looking at me out here in the parking lot, like still putting my hydraulic cart together. Like, who's this, who's this noob, you know? So (laughs) I get the robot unloaded and that's when I definitely think people were like, what is that? Is that an art bot? Is that an Mm -hmm. exhibition bot? Are you going to, are you going to compete with that? (laughs) You know, and not, and not in a negative manner, but people were like, okie dokie who let this guy in here? And I was like, Ooh, you know, so it, it, it's funny because again, big fan of the sport on my end of the building, I had captain shredderator. I had Wayachi 
and I had Ray Billings. Actually, I also had Bale Spear. I also had Scorpios. You know, <laughs> I mean, I have, I have, uh, and actually Axiato was next to me. I had all these big names, and I had to roll into the building past them with Rusty. So I was like, hey, hey, how's it going? Hey, there's Tombstone, you know? And here's Rusty, you know? <laughs> and I got in there, and I just, I chuckled because I had like four or five things in my pits. And they just had like, everything was decked out, and it was all, you know, you could tell they've been doing it, and they have this down to a science, you know? Everything was like a well-oiled machine. They had all their parts. They had everything planned out and ready to go. I didn't. I got in there, and uh, I still had to get through safety. Um, when Luke came over from safety to look at the bot, and I opened it up, he was like, I could see in his face. He was like, ooh, ooh, what's going on in here? Because my, I'll, I'll, someday pictures will come out. But I, my wiring, it's, it's, like, it's like art. It's like art. <laughs> it's functional art. It's beautiful, yeah. but it's also terrifying. It's like, a, you know, it, it, I call it free range wiring. <laughs> and uh, he was kind of looking at it. And I was like, Luke, Luke, hold on a second. Like before, before you say no, <laughs> um, I was like, I got this switch. I got this here. I've got this here. I've got this laid out here. I've got this here. And actually, as I started going through it with him, he was like, Okay, I mean, on the surface, it's a little, you know, rough, rough around the edges and rusty. But he's like, you know, I see you got everything in here, yada yada. I went through over all the different ratings and stuff with him, and he was like, he's like, okay, here's the things you got to fix. So I, I didn't have anything to cover my sharp edges on the robot. That's why you'll see like the PVC pipe and stuff when I roll in on the cart. I ran out the Home Depot and got that stuff, threw it on him. And then the other thing was I didn't have uh, lipo battery access. They want you to be able to pull the batteries out rapidly after a fight, in mm. uh, in case of a in case of a lipo fire, right? They don't want your boat robot smoldering in the box for hours. So from there, I I I had to tear Rusty completely down to his chassis. There are you've probably seen the pictures of him with the uh, chalk smiley face and stuff on him, and him flipped over in the Lincoln tent. Yeah. Um, I was like, yeah, I got him together. Everything's wired up. He's good to go. And I got there, and he was like, all right. In the very bottom of your bot, you got to make a bot. You got to make battery access. And I was like, ah, oh, yes, like a complete teardown the first day. So I tore Rusty completely apart. Uh, ran him out, put an access plate in the bottom. I luckily had a piece of diamond plate, modified that. I'm glad I did because it actually made him later on easier to work on because then I could open up a big access panel on the bottom and get into his uh, a lot of his components easier. But got that all built up, adjusted, put it together, yada, yada. And then basically rebuilt rusty and shortly after i rebuilt them then i had to rush over and start testing them in the box um i was in and out of the box i think three or four times a test box because you know you would think when you color code red and red that you'd be like oh yeah red goes to red but i'd be like nope red goes to white blue goes to yellow <laughs> and then i'd pull them out of the box and be like this is it guys this is this is this is the time i went over and i checked everything it's all hooked up and i'd get them back in the box and i'd be like nope i mixed up a wire so <laughs> I read back and forth a few times. Finally, I got everything squared away. I got them all hooked back up, ready to go. And then I rolled them out. And again, at that point, I was running around so much. I was so focused on, like, I was. I had blinders on. I was like, get Rusty ready. Get to the box. Fight. I didn't really plan much else. I didn't think about much else. And then it was like, oh, I'm fighting. You know, it, it came on me. It seemed like it came super fast. Actually, the two weeks seemed like they went by super fast. Um but the next thing you know, it's like you're lined up, you're rolling out in the box. And then I'm like, oh, I have all these. And again, in this case, I have all these builders who are looking at me this first time are rolling out with Rusty, showing up, still putting stuff together. <laughs> right. And again, at, at this point in time, 
the builders uh, were super friendly and super nice. They offered to help me with anything. They offered me any kind of advice, any questions, any issues I had. Everybody was there ready to help. Uh, you know, like even look, because again, I'd have to like move the bot around and stuff. It's kind of hard to move a 250 pound bot around by yourself. Um, so occasionally I'd get help from somebody, you know, moving them and whatnot. But uh, yeah, when I got out there, you got all the lights flashing and it's go time and the cameras are on you, you know, then you start thinking like every single little thing I do is on camera. Hmm. And that's when it kind of hit me. And that's where I was like, the adrenaline's cranking because people are cheering and excited. I hope the bot works because I just put it back together a few hours ago. <laughs> right. Um, and I mean, you can even see it. I think in the first episode, I actually think if you listen really hard, there's a point when I roll up at the cart and they're like shooting the cameras and stuff and stuff. I'm like, am I supposed to stand here? Is this where I'm supposed to be? I, I don't remember <laughs> what I, I don't remember what I said exactly, but I've all the cues and everything they told me beforehand. Like I got out there and my brain was like, Nope, you don't need that. It's gone. <laughs> so it just, I honestly, I felt like I was running, a, I had run a marathon and was running from a horde of zombies because the amount of adrenaline in my body was a level I'd never been to before. My heart was cranking. I was mm. sweating because it was 98 degrees. It was hot outside. It was hot. It was hot everywhere. And so I ended up rolling the bot into the box. And again, you're always you're worried that, oh, I'm going to get the bot out there and the bot's not going to work. Or I'm going to turn on. Something's not going to you know what I mean? Sometimes it feels like you can test. We talk about like the, the self-writing mechanism. People are like, you look surprised. It's like, yeah, because it only takes one little mistake. It only takes one little brake pin to pop out. And everybody's like, oh, oh your, your brake pin popped out. Your bot doesn't work, you know. So I was like, I had all that like rushing through my head and stuff. And then so I, I rolled the bot out. I didn't know any of the cues. I didn't know how like, you know, like where I was supposed to walk and stuff like that. Luckily, Trey was there. And. He directed me around and everything, and they 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 handled me very well. I will say they they did a great job of like walking me through stuff and helped me out with everything. And then I got him out. I got him all set up. I got back to the the box, ready to rock and roll. And then uh, I spent probably like they don't show it quite on the show, but it took me forever to drive Rusty over to his square. Mm. I mean, it was like it was like the funniest thing. And again, now I'm like I'm like nervous. I'm like, oh god, I gotta get him over. Come on, buddy, a little forward, a little, little too much. Too little. Oh, no. So <laughs> I spent the longest time just like scooting around and stuff and trying to get over to the square. And again, it, even now, I, I think by the time the match started and the lights were going, I messed up the bu button push a few times because <laughs> they were like, they were like, blue team, push the button. I was like, red button. <laughs> no, they're like, no, blue, no, red button. <laughs> So I messed up, you know, little things here and there. And that was all kind of building on me and all that tension. And the next thing you know, it was like the match is starting. I mean, it felt like, you know, you watch the show, right? So you're like, oh, I've got this all planned out. I know every cue. I know when everything happens. I know the order. And the next thing you know, it's like, burr, burr, burr. and I was like, oh, it's go time. And from there, I launched out of the square and right into a wall. So, <laughs> I mean, again, now I'm like, I, we talked about Mad Catter having a lot of time behind the wheel and, you know, other bosses stuff. I, I almost don't want to tell you how much time I probably had driven Rusty, like really driven him as he was ready to go. It's not a lot. It's, it's, I'd be surprised if it's more than an hour, honestly. Really? I, I, 
I, I, I'm a little, this is going to be my little tidbit of info. This is the exclusive. I'd be surprised if it was like 45 minutes, to be honest. Really? I had driven Rusty a very small amount. Um, I actually went back and was looking at some more of like my test footage and stuff. It seems longer than it really is, but like, I probably don't have a half an hour worth of me actually driving him of test footage. So when I got in there and I had also changed the uh, sprockets around, I had a actually a, a higher gear ratio on them before, which was better because more controllable, less speed. Um, but I actually changed his uh, sprockets like a couple days before. So I didn't really, I didn't, I knew he would be a little bit faster, maybe a mile an hour or two, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure. And I got him in there and I was like, it's a rocket ship, <laughs> you know? So it was, it was wild. Now I'm like, I'm like, God, just trying to keep the bot. And that's the other thing too. You're trying to keep the bot. Like when we talked about like Captain Shredderator driving, they make it look so easy or, 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 or Jameson, or they make it so easy when they're driving that bot and they make those really clean, like right angle turns and everything. And it's all like controlled and calculated they make it look super, super easy. Now, some of that is because Rusty's drives and stuff um, could have used more tuning. Um, I should have probably went with uh, censored drives instead of sensorless. Mm. But I couldn't I couldn't get the uh, censored ESCs fast enough. They were all back ordered. But so he was kind of like he was kind of like 100 percent, no percent, 100 percent, no percent, which makes him really fun to watch. Right. Because he's kind of like all over the place. Um, but it was just tunnel vision honestly when the fight ended i didn't even for a, a split second i was like did i win what happened yeah. you know and now now i look back on the fight it was almost like i had kind of separated from myself for a second right huh. because looking back on it i mean i look fairly calm in some of the footage i guess they don't they didn't show every little tidbit of what was going on the expressions i was making and stuff but um i look back on it now and I look, I, I guess the production makes me look very calm, but I was not calm. I was super excited. I was happy. Don't get me wrong. I was very happy, but I was super excited. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's why I was like jazzing around the interview and stuff so much. But, uh, I honestly, it was a dream come true. It really was. It was one of those things that it, it was super surreal because I, I didn't think I would ever, I, I didn't think I would make it there. I, I thought, you know, I was going to have issues. Something's going to get away. I was going to have problems. You know, it's kind of like having loss after loss after loss. You get used to, you know, having losses, but finally making it there and then competing. I was like, wow, this is like that moment. You know, it's like when Rocky, Rocky gets to the top of the staircase and it's like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I I won my first fight. I couldn't have been happier. Um, I couldn't have been. I was super, I was super proud of you, Rusty, because you made it. You went the. If there was anything I was going for, it was to make it the whole three minutes. But you didn't just make it the whole three minutes. You won your first match. Yeah, <laughs> so that's huge. I, I could. I'm sorry. I could keep rambling on and stuff, but it was it was probably one of the, if not the most amazing things I've done. That's so cool. I I'm curious. You know, seeing it um, back this past Thursday, did you pick up on things um, watching it? you know, on TV that you missed the first time around, you know, like kind of seeing it from the, uh, from the audience's perspective. 
So it was actually interesting. There were certain expressions that I made that I didn't know if they would be quite as noticeable. Like the when I self-write it, I was like, oh, yeah, I made a very clear like, oh, it worked expression because <laughs> yeah. that's what was going through. My, I was like, oh, it worked. Yay. You know, everything went according to plan. And um, but there were definitely things I did notice. Like I I actually didn't think that. I don't remember doing the finger guns, to be honest, either. I don't I don't remember the thing. I, I remember him being like, oh, this is like a rusty dance. And I was like, bam, and I broke it out. Um, luckily, you know, I, I actually I think it came out better than I thought it would, to be honest. You know, some of it is like you you start to realize a lot of the little expressions you make. You start to realize like, oh, I do that. You know, like um, I say I talk a certain way or I make certain kind of little like I have quirky expressions and stuff like that. So that was actually kind of one of the neatest things to watch was like looking in a mirror and being like, oh, that's me. And and to be honest, it was it was a little nerve wracking knowing my dad was going to watch it because my dad, <laughs> I go over and I'm like, hey, you know, what's that? he's like, oh, yeah, you know, he's like, I told everybody that I know about it. Every all your relatives, everybody knows everybody's going to be watching. And I don't remember the exact words he used, but he was like, this better not suck. <laughs> he was joking you got to know my dad he was kidding with me but it was still like uh oh now i have to impress you know it's like because once once the season is over what happened happened right we we know um but uh it was just it was crazy and then you start to get i mean heck now afterwards uh today we we had a i can't even remember why he stopped by we had a an officer stop by he was talking i think my dad knew him or something was chit-chatting with him and he saw Rusty sitting in in, a, in the barn. He was like, "Oh, he's like, is that a BattleBot?" He's like, "Oh yeah, my son's on BattleBots." And then he's like, "Boom!" You know, it just blew up into this like, "Oh, I'm a long term fan. Oh my god, I saw him on the show last week." And da 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 da. So some of that has been a lot of fun too. COVID does help me stay a little more incognito, right? Because I'm wearing a mask all the time. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now you're a local celebrity. Um, I I want to say that. Okay, so on. Thursday or maybe it was Friday morning um, and we were talking about it on our little group chat. We decided that rusty self-writing was the kind of metaphor for 2020. Like we are down, but we are not out. We are going to, uh, we're going to pick ourselves back up again. And even though we are all art bots, you know, like <laughs> we, we can persevere. And I feel like that is, just I it's I, I I need that as a gift, you know, in my life, and because uh, Rusty for me is 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 twenty twenty, you know, like it's 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 our it's our spirit, you know. He's a little rough, a little weathered. He barely made it, and he, when he's down and out, he's, he's still got to get back up. Got to get, get back, back up. up. Yeah, you know. And I was gonna say I gotta give, I gotta, and I really again, this goes back to I give teams like uh, like Kurt X backwards. They don't quit. And that's probably one of the biggest things that I've always looked at. I'm like, you know what? They keep going at it. They keep trying to make improvements, right? They never quit. And I, that to me is you don't, you don't fail until you quit, until you give up. And they don't quit. They don't quit. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, this week, I, I just absolutely love all of the rusty memes, all of the Dave Eaton mm. memes, uh, you know, that have come out. I, I was just saying, I, I joined this new Facebook group where it's, uh, you know, the, the rusty dance, but, uh, set to all these different, uh, songs. 
And it's the best thing that's happened this week. Um, so, I mean, certainly Rusty, it's the meme bot of, of 2020 so far. So like con- congratulations there for kind of capturing, you know, the uh, combat robotics internet's uh, interest, you know, so that's, that's fantastic. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I really do. I, yeah. I joined another Facebook group that was um, uh, uh, good match kidney donors for, for Rusty. <laughs> 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 what? Oh, that is awesome what'd you say that group's called i gotta look it up now. <laughs> uh, i'd also like to talk a little bit about um uh your 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 uh your competition for for the match and that was sporknock you know we're we're big fans of uh both sporknock and and the um and the amazing uh driver and engineer behind that that is lil specht uh, you know, she is a very close friend of the podcast, and so it was very difficult uh, match for us to to kind of uh, to to jump into and, and watch because we um, we were so in love with Rusty, and of course we're we're so in love with uh, everything that Lil does. And um, you know, it seemed like she had uh, some some issues with her, with her lifter after making um, you know one or two connections with it, and and I don't know if it was just some loose wiring or anything. Did did she give you any uh, indicator? Or was she- I actually, I don't 100% remember what the failure was on Sporknock. I, the best person probably to ask it would be go to ask ask Lilith what what her failure was. But, um, I I would honestly was going into the fight. I was like, you know what, we're both new bots, but I that that robot is is well built. I don't again know what their failure was, and Lilith came out with the right configuration really to fight the match. I mean. You think about losing a wire or a single chain. Had, had she not, she had she for the most part would have been probably able to control the mask, and she would have been it would have been a lot of rusty hopping up off his side probably. Um, uh, I don't know, and I've said this before. Sometimes you don't get the full. I, again, the big stuff does obviously look big on TV, but just the fact that you have two robots running into each other that weigh 250 pounds, it's sometimes enough to bend axles or dislodge you know, chains and stuff like that. Um, I don't know. And I was even trying to watch it because I wanted to ask Lilith if they did have any chain damage or anything like that in the back of the bot. And if any of it was caused by Rusty, I, I do distinctively remember that there were, uh, there were basically teeth marks from the weapon along some of their polycarbonate panels. Um, but uh, again, I, I, sadly, I don't a hundred percent know uh, what their, their actual failure was. Something that I, I really liked about Sporkinac was just how zippy it was. Um, it really looked like she has good maneuverability of that bot. And um, it just zippy is the, is the word that, that really comes to mind. And I'm just so proud of her for being able to make that build in, in what was really just a matter of weeks. And a short amount of time. And I know that she has put her heart and her soul and blood and sweat and tears into making robot ruckus happen down in Orlando. And which is really a launching point for so many other people to kind of get their start, uh, making a bot like a heavyweight and then, and then um, going on to battle bots after that. And finally she got to do that. She got to do that for herself and, and put on a good fight and, and, you know, she still flipped you over and that was so fun. <laughs> and then I'm happy that resting self-righted, but like she put <laughs> Oh, you know, and and uh, I'm excited to see what what she comes up with next because I mean, 
I'm just, I'm proud and happy that, that, you know, she, she is here in this competition after a lot of odds uh, against her, just getting it done in time and, and making it there in time. And again, uh, shout out wow. to Catherine Carr for, for delivering her and her team to the, to the competition. Yeah, it, it is crazy how much they got done in a short period of time and, and brought a great bot and had a great fight to the competition. And on top of that, throughout it all, I mean, they were all extremely, and I, I go back to this all the time. I was, we made, they were great. They're great friends of mine. They were super nice and stuff. You know, even after the fight, when we were talking in the battery tent and stuff like that, we had a great time. Um, and they were, they were constantly positive. It was, it was really beautiful. Well, Dave, congratulations on your first winner's chip and uh, the first of many, I'm sure. Uh, you know, we are, we are really looking forward to seeing Rusty's continued progress at BattleBots. Mm -hmm. Um, on over to our, our next match. Very interesting match. Smee versus uh, Sharko. You know, uh, Smee, super interesting design. Um, you know, I, I, I ended up um, checking out Joe Fabiani's AMA on Reddit this past week. And um, basically, Smee is described as two 80-pound robots running 20-pound undercutters that are controlled from the same receiver um, and, uh, sorry, same transmitter. And, um, and they're, you know, it's, it's kind of like a multi-bot that's connected in the middle by this super thick, giant, chunky plastic wedge held together by, by springs, you know, in this match. Um, and, Interestingly, you know, they, they, they have this kind of seven foot hug radius, you know? So if your bot is roughly seven feet, you know, um, you're in real trouble if you face me. Um, so yeah, I, I'd love to get your thoughts, um, you know, on, on this pretty unconventional match. I actually was super curious cause I, I watched both of them in the test box. Um, Smee spinners, they they if they bite, they can hit pretty good. But at the same time, Sharko really came out looking looking well built as well, and their their yeah. uh, their flipper slash grabber looked like it was really firing well. So I was like really curious to see. I, I guess Smee does a great job, and we saw in the match that it does exactly what it was designed to do. It it is a wedge with spinners at the end that controls the other box and wraps around them. And what's great about it is they wrap around them and then those spinners come into play, right? They basically corral them into a little spinner fest. And we saw some of that in the fight. Now it, it looked like uh, Smee was having, which again, it was kind of an interesting matchup between the two. Cause again, Sharko couldn't really get a bite on Smee. But at the same time, Sharko actually did a pretty good job of avoiding being like corralled and hit by Smee. Um, but again, Smee brings kind of an interesting thing to the game because they are a control bot, right? They're a, they're a super wedge control bot. They're they're mm -hmm. a wedge control bot horizontal spinner, I guess. Um, and so it brings kind of an interesting dynamic to it that it's like if you can really because they can, they can control and corral bots and then attack them simultaneously with you know fairly devastating weapons. So I, I actually really like, you know. I, I chuckled when Smee, the, the bot's so big, they had to roll it in on one of the uh, pit tables. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
yeah i i i was i got such a kick out of that i was like oh, i was like i was like i wonder what their cart looks like and then i saw it roll out the table and i was like clever clever <laughs> but um smee is really and we talked about i talked about it with him a little bit it's really i'm really curious to see where they go with the concept of smee you know this control bot that wraps around other bots and then attacks them in, in some form or manner it'll also be interesting to see because you know you talked about their wedge being plastic you know what materials and stuff they decided to use with that wedge i was huge and i'm going to bring up huge i was a bit of a skeptic when i first saw huge because i was like "Ooh, the right. wheels I, I don't see the wheels ever holding up right and it's kind of just the opposite i mean the i mean other than like maybe really nasty horizontal spinners like tombstone or, or Bloodsport, you know but even then i mean huge's wheels have held up great and i'm really curious and it should be interesting to see how well smee in the same regard holds up being a lot of it being plastic I, my big thing, and I'd love to get your over under Chris, Lindsay and Kyle on, uh, will we see a bot launch itself over the top of SME, get behind it and start eating away at those springs? Like, will we see SME split into two this season? Um, d- is, is that in the cards for, for this robot? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you think so? That's. I mean, that was the entire point of the awaits me, right? It was like being a giant, giant like lump in the floor, you know, closing off the arena so that other people couldn't get get anywhere or move. Uh, limiting options. This bot does that. Plus, um, I cannot wait to see me split. It's going to happen at some point. These weapons are too powerful. Somebody's going to split this thing in half. <laughs> and that's going to be awesome. I don't even think they need to get behind it to do that. I think that there's a few, you know, saw bots slash vertical bots that could do it. And I, I cannot wait to see that happen. Interesting. All right. And on over to our main event, Tombstone versus Endgame. Now, uh, we won't talk about this very much because we have Jack Barker and Nick maybe coming up just next to talk about this fight. And they describe the work that went into preparing their strategy. They break down all, uh, you know, just this very short window of, of um, action. And it is so much more thought out and meticulous than I, I, you know, that, than it looks on TV and like, kind of looks like. um, These fellas dissected, like, and I don't mean that like dissected tombstone. I mean, like they dissected, the build of Tombstone, Tombstone's old matches, Ray Billings as a driver. Like these guys got deep in this rabbit hole and obviously it paid off. Yeah. So mm. that is coming up next. I have two out of sequence thoughts about previous matches. Can I add them? <laughs> That's what we're here for. What's up? <laughs> I just want to um, say how beautiful Mad Catter was. Um, I wanted to add this in earlier, but um, I, the paint job that uh, Martin Mason's daughter did on, on Mad Catter was absolutely astounding. And uh, I would be remiss if I did not give a special shout out to that because it was, it was truly incredible. And I hope nobody even so much as dings Mad Catter the rest of the, the series because um, it was so stunning. And in, in regards to Sharko, um, that, the tail on that bot, I mean, it truly looked like a shark. And I thought that that was incredible. I mean, it was just so, it was so fun. I think Sharko looks better than it ever has. 
Um, and I know that Ed really wanted to have a win um, for, for his friend and, and, and teammate. Um, and, you know, that, that wasn't in the cards for his first fight. But I think uh, he should be proud of just how beautiful and seamless um, that bot looked out there. And, uh, and that, you know, that's still an accomplishment in itself. Yeah, Sharko was lifelike, especially watching him in the test box. It, he it looked like it looked like a shark. <laughs> I mean, it really did. It, it the 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 fluid motion of the tail and everything in the body was beautiful. Um, Mad Catter also following up on that. My first impression on the paint job was I was like that paint job. It had a certain a, a character to it. It it, it was it was uh, the the artwork on it. When I saw it, it like instantly. I was like Alice in Wonderland, boom. It was just that style and everything just was like, it puts you right into that mindset. And the paint job really is beautiful. After the break, our interview with Nick Maybe and Jack Barker. This week on the podcast, we have two very special guests dialing in all the way from New Zealand, Endgame captain Nick Maybe and his teammate Jack Barker. Nick and Jack both studied engineering at the University of Auckland, where they built robots through the Auckland University Robotics Association. While a university student, Jack took home first place at the 2016 Australian Robo Wars Nationals and was on the school's team in 2017 when it took home first place at the VexU World Championships. In 2018, they arrived at BattleBots with Endgame, a punishing vertical disc spinner that consistently faced the toughest robots in the sport. In 2018 and 2019, they fought Sawblade, Son of Wayachi, Bite Force, Lockjaw, Cobalt, Minotaur, Gruff, and Death Roll. Last Thursday, they faced the King of Kinetic Energy and yeeted Tombstone out of the arena in a knockout achieved in less than a minute. We're looking forward to getting into all of these topics in the hour ahead. So welcome to the show, Nick and Jack. Hi. Hey, thanks for having us on. We are so stoked to have you on. Um, I just first want to congratulate you on your amazing win um, in the main event this past Thursday. I would love to start there and, uh, and, and hear more about Tombstone. But first, um, because my introductions are always woefully inadequate, I would love to, uh, to just kind of uh, get, get a quick introduction from both of you. So um, because sure. there's two of you, uh, Nick, maybe you could start by introducing Jack and uh, tell us maybe something we don't know about Jack. And uh, okay. Jack, could you do the same for Nick? <laughs> All right. Uh... So this is my friend, Jack. He's uh, the best robot driver I know, and also the most ticklish person that I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And yeah, Nick is our captain this year. So um, he's, he's, he's great. He always has the best shirt. So if you watch him in the background of any shots, he'll always be wearing something interesting. Um, mm. Yeah. Nice. So like fun shirts, cool shirts? Okay. Things that we're probably not allowed to wear on the show, but he sneaks them in anyway. <laughs> I've got um, at least one unconventional shirt in. <laughs> That's good. All right. So this is now the Easter egg that we have to watch for the next 20 weeks. Like, oh, I'm, I'm not sure about this season. I know, I know I got a good one on camera. It's whether or not they use the shot. <laughs> All right. Awesome. That's fair. Um, well, first off, so like I'd, I'd love to kind of, kind of go in reverse chronological order. So starting with Tombstone and kind of going back through your preparations for the season and then like your kind of meeting at university and everything. So like maybe just starting with Thursday. Um, 
So you're you're there at BattleBots. You have uh, you managed to escape your home countries and uh, get through COVID to arrive at um, at the pits, and you find out that you are going to be fighting in a main event against Tombstone. Um, I guess first off, were you were you expecting Tombstone this season? Uh, was it something that you were preparing for in in the off season as a possibility? Uh, we were we were basically like certain that this year was going to be the year we fought Tombstone. Um, I think the previous year um, we didn't really do well enough for, to deserve to be put up against them. Uh, but this year we were, we felt more prepared. We had done more testing on the robot and we knew that the robot was going to perform a lot better than it did last year. So I think this was the year we were certain that we were going to fight Tombstone. I would have thought, I think we were all thinking that, that the, they would want to test us a bit first before mm-hmm. uh, just chucking us in but but he went he was came up to us and was like hey are you ready for a a big fight in the first made event and we were like oh okay yeah sure i i'm so curious so like you you hear you're going to get tombstone um this is something that you were pretty sure was going to happen did you bring like an anti-tombstone configuration to the competition um i i know that some builders build wedges specifically for for tombstone I wouldn't say we build them specifically for Tombstone, but we do have our big wedge, which is made for horizontals. Mm. Um, and we had it last year, but it's a bit upgraded this year. Um, a lot of like uh, mounting upgrades, and also you can see it's a lot taller. So um, that was mostly the the height on that was for if we had to play Bloodsport, um, actually. Um, but you know, we we bring the big wedges in in anticipation of having to face the big horizontals. Yeah. 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 Those wedges weren't made with Tombstone in mind. They were just made for every horizontal, basically. Got it. Can you can you talk me through that that wedge? You know, uh, do you, do you know some of the specifications on it? Like how large it is, how how heavy it is, kind of how tall it is, etc. So it's obviously a split wedge. Uh, there's they're hinged. Uh, it's shock mounted, so the whole thing's um, uh, polyurethane rubber, uh, and it's eight millimeters thick AR five hundred. And I can't remember how heavy it is. Jack, do you remember its actual weight? Uh, I think it's about 13 or 14 kilograms. I can't remember exactly. Um, right. Clearly, yeah. a, a the amount right. of the robot. Yeah. Awesome. So other other than this kind of big, chunky wedge, um, any other preparations that you made for, for Tombstone? You know, anything um, that was different for this match than, um, say, if you faced a uh, another vertical spinner or uh, a flipper or a hammer or something like that? So we actually came in with two configurations as far as our weapons are concerned this this year. We had uh, a smaller weapon that we uh, would put on for horizontals, and that's only because just the wedge is so heavy that we could only run a slightly smaller weapon. If we face verticals, we've got a, a bigger weapon that we put on. When when you're when you're thinking of Tombstone, kind of like coming up with your pre-fight fight strategy and talking it over, you know what 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 was the plan kind of going into the box um, for for how you were going to win? I, I'm assuming that you couldn't have anticipated that you would have got around to the back of Tombstone twice, you know. But um, but was 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 there a, a strategy in mind as as you were kind of wheeling the bot into uh, into the arena? So I, I think on the show they mentioned that we watch every single one of Tombstone's fights, and they're not exaggerating. Like we found out that we played Tombstone about uh, I think it was two days before we actually did, and that night we went home and we literally watched Tombstone fights for like four hours and all of Last Rite's fights, and we went through them frame by frame to see like well where the hit hit, which way uh, Tombstone rotated, which way the other robot bounced to try and work out exactly where we wanted him to hit us. 
So it was very much like um, a lot of research went into it um, and we knew exactly. In fact, that first hit, uh, I had to turn into him. I think I said on the show to get it where we wanted it, but he actually hit us exactly where we had planned, um, which you can kind of see worked out for us because the robots ended up in a way that we could go for him. Um, and that wasn't exactly by accident. That was because we'd watched yeah, you, so many. You really aimed it perfectly. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's so many to, there's so many last right fights over the years. There's about ten years of robot games. So we were watching every single one and kind of stepping through frame by frame and just seeing exactly what happened on the impacts. Yeah. If if anything, um, the, the 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 actual hit where we both took a lot of damage. We hit him in the back. I think we disabled his his right wheel. Um, and then he had us on the side and we both went careening away from each other. Like that was, if anything, like how we didn't want it to go down because he hit us in a spot that, that, you know, we absorbed a lot of the energy of that, of that weapon. Um, and thankfully the, the wedge held up all the internals, uh, were fine. There was nothing wrong on the inside and, uh, the robot was just able to turn around and gun, gun him down and knock him out of the arena. The, the thing is, with when you play Tombstone, you have everybody says don't attack, but at some point you're going to have to. You're going to have to attack him where you're putting yourself at risk. And it just so happened that it happened to be right after that first impact, and we just had to go for it. So I know it looks doesn't look very smart, like we're falling for the bait, but you know at some point you're going to have to do it, and you're going to have to take the risk. Yeah. 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 Well, I think the the first proper hit we got on him spun him around, and generally that's a position you don't really want to get into with Tombstone. You don't want to be behind him because he can turn into you. But when we spun him around, we stayed close enough to him that there was no time for him to turn before we were able to get in and hit him in the back. I, I think the thing that's most remarkable about this is that the fight happened so quickly and, you know, the, the amount of thought that went into it, you know, like sometimes it feels like as a fan at home, it's just chaos in the box, but like, it's really not chaos. Like you really thought this through ahead of time. Um, I, I'm just that it's, it's really, really interesting. Um, and, and that the, the outcome you were, you were, you were planning for this, you know, which is, which is pretty cool. Can you, can you take me through, through that fight? I mean, that those less than 60 seconds, you know, um, did, uh, seconds. <laughs> yes. Right. Um, <laughs> The, um, you know, like kind of just start starting from, from the beginning, like was, was he angled in the direction that you thought he was going to be, um, like out, out of his starting square, you know, um, did you think about what that kind of first contact was, was going to be? Can you kind of walk us through, um, those, those hits, you know, that, um, that resulted in, you know, this, this big hit out of the arena? Yeah. So obviously Ray is trying to do the opposite of us. He knows his robot and. We've watched four hours of him fighting, but he's played with the robot for 20 years now. So he's he knows the best way to play with Tombstone. So he knows that if he's spinning clockwise, he wants to get to the to the side that'll hook onto the robot, right? Which is the opposite of what we want to do. So I think at the start of that fight, he actually goes the opposite way. And then he kind of diverts across the arena a little bit. It's just a, a tiny bit of a fake and it kind of works. <laughs> so he, he's trying to get to our right side and we want him on our left side. Um, so that's kind of like in the first second, you can see he goes to the right and then he dives to the left, um, is a little bit of a fake. So I think that was a bit of smart driving by him. Um, and it did put us in a little bit of a position cause we were now angled for the wrong side of the arena cause that's the way he was hitting. And that's why we have to turn into him, uh, so quickly and kind of spin around on him. 
So that's the, the first part. Once we had the first collision where we, we knocked his weapon away, it glanced off our wedge, we hit him with the weapon a little bit, we knocked him away, turned his back to face us, and we were close enough that we, that we could get in, hit him in the back of the, of the, of the robot. And Tombstone is not well armoured. Um, it's still a brushed robot, so it's got an incredible amount of power, but all of that goes into the weapon. The armor on the back is just is essentially non-existent. So we got a good hit on his back, and I think it, it took out the right side of the drive. Uh, possibly more. I don't think there was enough time in the fight to figure out what exactly happened. Um, but uh, when we got in, hit him in the back, uh, what we hadn't probably thought about a bit more is when we hit him in the back, his back then swings away from us, which then resulted in the weapon swinging towards us. Uh, and clipped us in the side. We both separated, but I think at, by that point, the damage had been done. It was probably a bit on the lucky side that he landed where he did. Um, with his right side disabled and then pressed up against the wall like that, uh, it was pretty much impossible for him to, to back his way out because driving forward, the wheel was driving into the like the mount, the mount of, the, of the screw and trying to reverse out, his weapon was just hitting the wall. So he was, he was stuck there. Uh, and then it just gave us all the time we needed to turn around and pop him out. Even if he hadn't landed in that position, he would have been down a wheel at that point, and it would have just been a matter of time for us to pick our moment, get in, and take him out. Yeah. This um, this leads us to our first listener question from uh, Matthew Cahoy, who asks, please describe what was going on in your heads when Tombstone got stuck in the screws. I, I guess it looked like it, he got stuck in the screws. Um but but perhaps it was he was just kind of pressed up against uh, against the arena a wall, um, you know what what when, when you saw this kind of opportunity what what was going through your heads? I think all of us at the time thought he was stuck in the screws. Uh, like me and Jack and Ray all thought that that he was stuck in the screws until we actually went back and looked at the footage. Yeah, well, while I was driving it, I I didn't actually know he was stuck though. I just could see that his weapon wasn't spinning. And if his weapon's not spinning, we want to go in and hit him. Um, that's kind of, it's like a binary thing in your head, right? Like if Tombstone is not spinning, that's when you got to attack. So that's why we just kind of went full speed at him. Um, and we diverted out a little bit to try and smash him against the wall, um, which actually resulted in the outer of the arena shot uh, rather than driving straight at him um, as well. Um, which I think because the end game is quite quick, it could do it in time before he got out. Yeah. That leads us to another listener question from Francois Pelsier, who asks, aren't you a little disappointed that the fight you waited so long to have was that quick to end? <laughs> I guess I guess about how short the match was. Is that is that a good thing, um, a bad thing, I guess, in, in your minds? So I do I do get what everyone says. Like it's there is a little bit, there's a little part of me that wishes that we had a proper slugfest and that we, you know, got to really, you know. <laughs> Go at each other for a while and and you know really test the robots, but uh, I I don't think I can trade uh, out of the arena in Tombstone for anything to be honest. Like if if it ends with an out of the arena, that's that's hard to pass up. Yeah, it's uh, certainly the first kind of defining moment of 2020. Like when we think back on 2020, I don't think anyone's going to forget kind of Tombstone rocketing toward uh, the battle box wall and landing right in front of Lisa Winter. And literally her face is like everybody's face at home, um, which is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's something you can't see on the show because we got um, 
we got our own view from the pits and we had someone recording it for us so we could watch it again later. And it's a different camera angle and you could actually see outside the arena a bit more um, from the recording that we got. And just, you could see all of the, like, the, the crew, like all the people that you never see on camera, like the, the stage hands and stuff like that. And there was just one guy, as soon as Tombstone went out of the arena, he just dropped what he was holding, flung his arms in the air and started jumping <laughs> up and down. I love that. It was so good. That's awesome. Uh, related question from Nelly, the Ellibot Captain Sarah Malian, who uh, writes, I'm going to word this delicately, given that this is a family-friendly show. So here goes. How big does one's trouser bobbles feel after clinically executing Tombstone in such a short period of time? Because if I owned a pair of Nardle danglers, they'd be feeling rather large right now. If you could provide your answer in both Imperial and Metric for the international listeners. Uh, note, we also had a very similar question from Alexander Archer. Uh, well, there's both an Imperial and Metric uh, measurement, and it's the ton. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna, gonna put that one out. Good. But to, to answer a bit more seriously, uh, it is only the first part of the season, and we know we had a lot more work to do at that point. So we couldn't really get too far ahead of ourselves. You know, we had to go back and rebuild the entire robot, essentially, uh, just and just take it from there and just kind of reset and, and reevaluate what our next fight is. So, yeah. There's, you don't want to get too cocky in BattleBots. That is an excellent segue into my next question for you guys. Hi, this is Kyle. How are you guys doing? Hey. Hi, Kyle. Um, all right, so Endgame 2020. We obviously got to see it at its uh, best. I mean, you guys essentially uh, toastered Tombstone. Great way to start the season. You can't really ask for much better. Actually, you probably could ask for a fight that doesn't do as much damage to your robot to start off with, but this is good <laughs> too, you know. Um, oh, that's so my favorite type of toast, so. <laughs> <laughs> um so i'd love to learn more about endgame 2020 can you give us a technical look into the bot and how it compares to last season's endgame um i'd love to hear about that and then uh, i'd like to talk to you a little bit about the team this season too yeah so um this version of endgame uh is a, an entirely new design uh over the, the second version which itself was also entirely new design over the first so uh, it's always a bit of a risk going in uh, with an entirely new design because, like, you can test a lot of stuff um, outside of the battle box, but the only true test is really the battle box because, like, nothing you can't simulate hits from like Tombstone or 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 all these other robots without you know putting yourself in incredible danger. So um, it's an entirely new robot. Uh, the inside is basically we've stripped out pretty much every part that's not custom made. Like um, the whole inside of the robot is like custom built. The motors that we've got in there, uh, we, we buy regular motors and just rip the coils out. And that's pretty much the only part that we keep. And we just rebuild everything else around it. Wow. Um, yeah, uh, everything we've shot, we shot mounted everything on the inside. That's the, probably the biggest difference between uh, season two and season three uh, was the shock mounting. We changed our speed controllers because the ones that we were using in season two were just, you know, they were our biggest problem. They were giving us the most grief. Um, and uh, what else? We've we didn't we didn't only change the speed controllers that custom, like the the off the shelf, but they're very very modified. Um, yeah. So we 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 buy some 
certain ones that we've learned to trust and we, we heavily modify them. Um, we ended up going for like more of a duck type build where everything is uh, isolated. Every, every motor is on its own isolated electrical system with its own switch, its own battery. Um, so, you know, one motor can go up in flames and the rest don't care. Uh, and then um, we also did away entirely with signal wires. Um, we've decided instead of putting, you know, having one or two receivers and, and wiring signal to all of the speed controllers is every single speed controller has its own set of receivers on it. So we've actually, how many receivers do we have in the bot, Jack? I think Something we've like four, 14, yeah. 14 receivers? Wow. Yeah. Two, two for every motor, just in case... If one dies on a motor, it has a backup. And then yep. if two die on a motor, it doesn't take out any other motor. Yeah. You put a lot of time and weight into redundancy, it seems like, this season. Yeah, essentially. So it's it's everything's super redundant. Like the whole isolated power systems, like there's obviously two wheels on either side. So if one wheel goes down, then the other one can still drive it. Um, the weapon has two sides, so it's got a it, it's got two motors on that, and each one of them are capable of spinning it up. Uh, obviously, together spins up faster, but you can reach max speed with only one motor. That's pretty sweet. That is pretty sweet. Um, all right, so I wanted to kind of get into the team changes. So one of the biggest things everybody noticed this season is the team captain switch. Uh, we had a Jack Barker team captain into a Nick Maybe team captain. What's the story behind the switch up? Was there just a, a you know trying something new? Did you have more availability? What was the the need for that change? Uh, Basically, Jack moved to Canada. <laughs> That's essentially <laughs> what happened. Yeah, so um, I, I moved to Canada, and Nick did a lot of the mechanical work this year. Um, so it's, it's only fair that he, he takes captaincy and, and steers the ship because um, he did a lot of the work. So, you know, I'm, I'm not there to take other people's credit. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What are you doing in uh, Canada now, Jack? Well, I'm actually back in New Zealand now. <laughs> ah. But I was, I was up in Canada for a couple of years just for work. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so let's talk about kind of where you guys met. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about Aurora at the University of Ackland and, and what that was like? Can you describe Aurora, Jack? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, so Aurora is a, a group of kind of robotics enthusiasts that um, kind of meet at the University of Auckland once a week and they build robots and talk robots and all that sort of jazz. So for a few years, it was mostly focused around VIX because a lot of the people who were in the club had done VIX robotics in high school and then transitioned to universe, university. So uh, they went to the World Champs a couple of times. Um, I went with them twice. Um, obviously, we won we won one of the years and we came second the other year, uh, which was awesome. So uh, yeah, it's it's a group. It's still going strong, you know, um, with different people now. Um, yeah, yeah, they do all sorts of robotic stuff. Um, they run a, a small combat robotics competition called Mini Robot Rumble, uh, which kind of, we started that when we were in university, but it, it kick-started combat robotics in New Zealand. So when we started building fighting robots, there was absolutely nothing. You had to go to Australia, which is why we built Featherweights. Um, but yeah, as, as part of Aura, we set up this competition called Mini Robot Rumble, which was uh, specifically for high school kids at the time uh, to get them into engineering and get them into the, the sort of pathways into... Uh, yeah, it's just an interesting way to learn engineering and just get excited about it. So uh, we found some sponsorship uh, and built a, a beta-weight arena and started that up, which kind of kick-started the competitions in New Zealand, um, and it's grown ever since. When I was originally in Aura, it was obviously pretty much only VEX, 
and uh, I, I I enjoyed Vex, but it wasn't it wasn't what I was like super into. I think I, I'm quite jealous that you know new people coming into Aura have everything that they do right now. They've got you know both Vex and Combat Robotics, and I think some mm-hmm. other people have also started introducing some other stuff. I think they're doing robot soccer at some point too. They're, they've like yeah. branched out to do a lot more um, a lot more activities, all robot related, which I think is great. That's awesome. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your, uh, I guess, first four-way, foray into the Australian Robo Wars? Um, what was it like going to those national events and competing there for the first time? Yeah, so we got into it because we saw BattleBots on TV as the club. Like someone bought it, in, bought it in on USB and was like, check out this sick TV show we just that just came on. That was BattleBots 2015. Um, so we used to you know, book out a lecture theater and watch it every week as a club, uh, which is really cool. Uh, and then 2016 rolled around and they're like taking applications and um, we decided to apply. Um, so we applied with a, a ring spinner, which um, didn't get accepted, thankfully. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't think it would have gone very well. Was no, that Mango? Is that, is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we, we it was a big club, club effort. Like um, we spent a lot of time designing and applying and, and then we didn't get in, which was kind of sucky at the time but in hindsight it was probably the best thing that could happen to our combat robotics career <laughs> yeah <laughs> so after that is when um well mostly i decided and then i wrote my brother and my dad into to build a featherweight and take it to australia um so we built dream crusher which was a four-wheel drive vertical um kind of before they were cool though so i like to think that bite force copied dream crusher but i don't think that's the case um <laughs> <laughs> uh so so yeah we took that over and then a couple of weeks before we left my brother was like hey i want to build one too so we built this like uh, invertible wedge robot um just like mild steel welded together kind of it was pretty cool um and we yeah we flew over there and and uh had a good time over there um for our first event and we ended up coming first and second which was pretty pretty neat um for for us to to go and have some success you know straight away um much to the Australians' dislike, I think. Uh, <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay. Um, yeah, so so from there, it was about, there was still nothing happening in New Zealand, and we're like, well, we'll go back the next year um, and, and have a fight there. Um, but So we were prepping for that. We'd kind of kept the same robots because um, a few a few minor upgrades. I think we moved Dream Crusher to a brushless or something, which was interesting. Um, but, yeah, then we ended up, and getting invited to China, which was at the same time. So we went over to China instead and competed in FMB um, with the featherweights. Um, and we got second there. Um, and that's when they asked us to come back, but come back with a heavyweight in six weeks. So we had six weeks to build Death Toll, and we went over to the FMB World Champs. Um, yeah, and kind of all started from there in the heavyweight scene. Um, and then kind of after FMB, uh, I, rem- I remember I was at a New Year's party with Nick once. Um, yeah, and he said he said to me, "If you ever build a BattleBot, you know, get me involved because I want to be in on that." So after that, I'll, I kind of remember that because it was about New Year's. I was like, "Oh, Nick wanted to be involved," so that's when I I phoned Nick up and was like, "Yo, we're we're going to BattleBots, you know, do you want to do want to be involved?" And yeah, the rest is is history, as they say. Yeah. yeah, for that first year, I was just sort of like helping, but you know, after. After that, like after the first season, um, I got way more heavily involved in actually, you know, designing new the new systems, and then mm-hmm. and then progressively building more and more of the robot. Um. So settle 
settle something for us once and for all. Where does the name oh, Endgame come from? <laughs> we can't. We can't settle this. It's from the Taylor Swift song, and you know that no. the head of space, and nowhere else spells it with a space. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's not where you got it from. You got it. You you copied Shane's robot, who named it after the Rise Against song. But but no. That's true. <laughs> but, but I thought he had named oh, it. There we go. There we go. You heard it from him. But I thought I, he had named it after the Taylor Swift song. So that's all that matters. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's what matters at all. <laughs> I think it's the this intention is, behind it. You, you, tried to name it after, you tried to name it after Shane's robot, and that was the, named after the, a... The intention was the Taylor Swift song. So, you know, thanks for that. Thanks for agreeing. I mean, so, there's, so, so we've got you... Uh, saying that it's Taylor Swift song, but everyone else in the team, not like sh- both me and Shane, um, always have felt it's a Rise Against song. So I don't know. Mm, okay, okay, okay. I mean, you're you're what's the captain, Jack? But uh... <laughs> <laughs> I like to call myself team director now. Team director, that's fair <laughs> enough. You do you keep me isolated <laughs> from all like the handling of the. Like having to deal with the sponsors and stuff like that. So that's that's quite nice. In Endgame actually messaged Taylor Swift on Instagram once to see if she would come take a picture with the robot, but uh, she never responded or even opened it for that matter. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe we should message Rise Against and see what they think. You might have better luck. I mean, they certainly don't have the uh, the the hit power that that Taylor Swift does. <laughs> All right, so let's get into some listener questions. Mm-hmm. So Robert Holmes asks, whose idea was the color palette for M game? I absolutely love the orange and blues. Uh, uh, it was pretty much accidental because we wanted it to be yellow and, and purple, which is what Death Toll was, our first one. And then we applied to Battle Watts and we're like, well, we need to change it. What are we going to do? Um, and we like obnoxious colors. So that's why we went with the orange. Um <laughs> Kind of bright, obnoxious, like in your face kind of thing, um, and the blue kind of went well with it. So that's kind of how it came yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah, and it turns out, it turns out it works. <laughs> mm. Chuck a bit of fluoro yellow in there, and you're away. Put some spikes on it. <laughs> Bam! New robot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Mario Cast asks Nick and Jack. Now that you have defeated a champion like Tombstone and almost beat Bite Force two seasons ago, which uh, is true. Go back and watch that fight. It was actually quite fun. Uh, which bot is on your team's radar for your next conquest? Is it Witch Doctor, maybe a Flipper, or a tough bot like Sawblaze? Uh, well, obviously this season we can't face Bite Force. I think I would have loved to have another crack at Bite. I think yeah, we. I think most off is we really would have liked to face Bite Force again. I think honestly this season was the season that we had the best chance at facing Bite Force. Just. Because we uh, we we've added some like some stuff to the front of the robot. You haven't seen it in. in we ha- we have some vertical setups. Yeah, um, yeah we have some vertical setups. That I think we're facing bite force pretty much. Uh, but unfortunately, yeah. he wasn't and the, there. Yeah. the problem is now he's going to know, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then he's going to he's going to know how he's yeah. going to come and you know have have ideas how to defeat it. And if 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 we had faced him. Uh, without him seeing it, I think we would have done really well. But who knows now? <laughs> All right. So Tristan Reyes has a flip side to Mario's question. Is there any team you're scared of fighting this season? Oof. Um, I don't think so. I think after facing Tombstone, we were pretty pretty happy that, that 
any robot was going to be, you know. We were, I was chuffed with our season as soon as we beat Tombstone, you know, like that, that was like peak, peak for us um, at that point. So like, like at that point we were happy, like we could, I was happy to face anyone. And if we got smacked about, that was all right. Um, one, a, ro a robot I didn't want to face, so it was Bloodsport because they have such a big bar. And I'd been talking to Justin through the whole year and we, we talk robots all the time. So I knew how much power was in that. And, um, obviously I think you've yeah, seen Bloodsport's no joke this time later on, um, no. which is a fun fight. Yeah. Um, so can you please explain for our non New Zealand listeners, what chuffed means? Stoked? Is that a word? <laughs> I, don't, that you guys I don't know what that means either. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> no, we know um, what stoked means. Stoked is totally oh, okay. that's it. That's a all English speaking countries phrase. So, okay. so, so perhaps, perhaps chuffed is maybe stoked, but with more pride. Ah, okay. yeah, maybe. Yeah, that sounds. <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, we'll, it's hard to hard to nail down the nuance. <laughs> we like after that first fight, we're like, if we, you know, if we lose every fight from here on out, we can go home and we we'll be happy still, you know, like. We can be, you know, we had a good season. Um, so any, anything from now was, was going to be extra. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you guys pulled off a first, yeah. uh, you know, throwing Tombstone right out of the arena and, and, and putting him in the toaster. That was pretty impressive. But it by no means means that we were done. Like, we were going to go as far as we could go. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So Scorpio's co-captain, Diana Tarlson, asks, how long until you have all of the Power Stones? <laughs> well we have to defeat bite force right um i think there's there's still a couple robots left to take out i think we took tombstones yeah yeah that would be i guess the power stone right power stone possibly i don't know what's <laughs> what's bite force the reality stone maybe yeah that would definitely be the reality stone <laughs> yeah yeah oh that's a that's an interesting thought trying to like line the line the line the infinity stones up with uh with, with robot robots. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, all right. So big dill team member, Brandon Bennett young asks, how has your Vex robotics experience uh, impacted the way you view combat robotics? What are some of the little things that you've turned uh, over, over the course of your various heavyweight builds? I think that the main thing that I carried over from Vets is how much work it takes to do well on any sort of robotic stuff uh, to, to win Vex, You have to put hundreds and, uh, even to the thousands of hours a year kind of thing into it to, to do well. And it's the same with BattleBots. Like, it's just a lot of dedication. Um, I mean, honestly, you've got to put more work into BattleBots. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and a lot of analysis and strategy and thinking, you know, you're lying in bed at night thinking, well, if our forks are this shape, what's going to happen? No, we should change the fork shape kind of thing. Um, and it's just, it's yeah, it, it takes a lot of analysis is the thing that kind of crosses between them, I think, yeah. Yeah, it's Next. like strategy is is just as important as be as you know good driving and and you know proper mechanical design. Yeah, I mean that makes a lot of sense. Uh, so our next question from Brandon: How did you guys decide on aviators and the flag capes as your gimmick? How did that happen? Uh, I think that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I was interning in a company, and we kind of went out uh, for for Friday drinks on our last day or something. Um, and it kind of went into the night and at some point I'd stolen someone's aviators and I didn't know whose it was. So I was just wearing them around and 
I just thought they looked really cool. And it was about two weeks before we went to BattleBots. And the next morning, I was like, yeah, that was pretty cool. Let's, let's do that kind of thing. Because we was trying to think of what we're going to do to stand out. Um, so it was, I literally stole some strangers' aviators because um, I couldn't work out whose it was. I still have them. Um, and, and that's where it kind of came from. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. You were also planning on putting fake handlebar mustaches on each of us. Weren't you? Oh, that's right. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah, we even brought them to the first event, and everyone was like, "No, I'm not putting them on." I was like, "Come on, guys! No. Come on, guys!" <laughs> well, the thing is, like, I I was I was slightly on board with it when I thought they were like like a little bit more you know <laughs> professional, but when they were just like cut up felt, I was like, "No, no, 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 I'm not." not. Mm, yeah, I was. So, I'm so a little disappointed you guys didn't get on board on that. Actually, yeah. <laughs> I could have. I could have done it if if they were like if they looked like mustaches. I don't think neck. anyone would have taken you guys seriously if you called out Tombstone wearing those mustaches. Though, so. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what probably would have happened? They would have given us Tombstone just to see Tombstone destroy us. Like, yeah, I think that would have been what happened. <laughs> all right so this is another question from brandon he had some good ones so we included all of them uh what made you go decide to make endgame with such chunky aluminum pieces that's a valid question about your your build this year i mean it's frame strength right like we have those chunky aluminum pieces but uh just that hit on that we took from tombstone um just this last episode actually shrunk our entire frame by two millimeters like he hit the wedge he crumpled the side of the wedge uh and then obviously there's shock mounting on the wedge but like so between the crumple zone on the wedge and the shock mounting the whole frame still became like a little less wide by two millimeters wow and so like you've like the the frame sections are important <laughs> like you've got to you've got to have structural integrity Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. So it, all the way through the shock mount, still bent that giant mm. That's impressive. That is a yeah, lot yeah. of power. And we realized that because before the next fight, we went to put the weapon in, and the weapon module was two millimeters too wide. And then we measured the base plate, and it was two millimeters smaller than it was, than it was supposed to be. So like the entire, thing had just, yeah, the entire thing had just shrunk. Yeah. Wow. We broke, a, we broke the car jack from our rental vehicle trying to splay it back open. <laughs> No, we we didn't break it. We improved it. We bent it. It, it wasn't the same afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> um. Wow. All right. So we've got uh, some Australian builders apparently chimed in. Um, so Australian builder Jake Anderson asks, would life have turned out differently if you didn't beat all of Australia in that first event in Canberra? <laughs> Uh, well, I think so, because that kind of put us on the tra trajectory to get to BattleBots. Uh, if we hadn't done well there, we wouldn't have gone to China. And if we'd done well in China, we wouldn't have built Death Toll. If we wouldn't build Death Toll, we wouldn't have had a robot for BattleBots. So um, I think kind of it, without that, we would have, we'd still be building Featherweights and taking them to Australia, I think, um, rather than being fighting on BattleBots. So, yeah, <laughs> it was a very important kind of starting point for us. Yeah. Um. Jake with NC says third place to these punk kids from New Zealand in their first event ever taking second place at the Australian nationals. No, I'm not salty at all. Why do you ask? <laughs> NC Was is there a, a question there? Robot. 
Yeah. <laughs> was that a question or is that just a statement? Just a statement. We wanted to follow it up because we thought it was funny. Um, sure. Yeah. <laughs> in right, NC's so. this wonderful kind of wedge bot with a very low wedge, and Dream Crusher didn't have wedgelets at the time. So I think that was our first ever polycarb wedgelet. We kind of stuck a wedgelet on the front just to get underneath them. Um, yeah, which it was a very, very tough robot. Um, I think we won the fight because we kind of tilted him up on the side of the arena, which was super lucky because he was kind of monstering us before that. Yeah. Huh. Um, so Tom yeah, Bruckhorn think... asks, if you've never built a spinner, what other weapon design would you have considered? P.S. Well done on finally backing up that clean. Um, you could take Tombstone after that Captain Shredderator win two years ago. Um, so I think we've got some other robots in mind. Uh, we're not, we're not by no means abandoning game for now, um, but we've, we've, we've got some other designs. I think non-spinner designs, I don't know. Uh, Jack, you've built... Well, we have the Crusty Grab, um, which was supposed to be at BattleBots this year, but because of COVID, we didn't have quite the amount of team members we would have liked. So hopefully we'll bring that along next year, and I think that'll do well. Um, it's kind of designed Yeah, it was a fun it. robot to watch at Orlando, for sure. Yeah, it was a fun robot to drive, too. Yeah. Um, totally different to Endgame. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of designed to play the field of verticals, um, and just the idea to, behind to it. Is that, yeah, just we'll pick them up and throw them out of the arena is the idea, and kind of win all the fights that way. But well, I don't know how well it'll work out. <laughs> so I, I think that'll be a fun one. Yeah. Um. So the next question we have is from Jesse Mallon, who asks, "How do you anticipate your relationship changing or growing uh, with the University of Auckland?" And Aura changing in the future, especially with the team as the team moves on from being students. Um, do you think that you will, you know, keep pulling team members from that school, or will we see like kind of new faces, um, or will the team just kind of go in a new go with a new identity, completely separate from Aura and uh, the University of Auckland? I think we won't be abandoning University of Auckland anytime soon. They're our main sponsor. Uh, like it's where we get. A lot of money from so we kind of need them <laughs> uh, and they're and they're really they're like really good to us as well so so i don't think we want to ever that, really that, like end our relationship with them that that being said or uh in game isn't built by aura though we're completely separate entity um yeah. our relationship with the university is a sponsorship relationship rather than a club relationship so um yeah we, we we're still very tight close with the club like we some of us will go to the AGM and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, in-game and OBS are, are very much a separate entity. Yeah. Yeah, the, the relationship we have is that a lot of the people that are still members of Aura or still do work for them, we're just quite close friends with. Like, that's gotcha. that's really the, the relationship we have. Um, so how does Endgame's weapon system compare to, uh, let's say, some similar bots like Bite Force or Witch Doctor? Um it's often described as punishing or the hardest hitting in the competition, but uh, how do you think you stack up compared to those those heavy hitters? So, uh, like, I wouldn't say that it's the hardest hitting in the competition. For instance, like, obviously, like, you can get a lot more power in a horizontal. Just, it's easier to do. Um, you know, you have a too powerful uh, vertical spinner, you get deep six and you can't do anything with it. <laughs> so... Um, but I think as far like we probably, I'd probably say we hit maybe twice as hard as Bite Force. Uh, I think that would be pretty accurate. Um, Witch Doctor, I think probably, probably better than, um, but I, I wouldn't say that we're the, the heaviest hitter, 
but um, there's a fine line you have to run between, you know, power and control. Because the more power you have, the least less controllable your robot is when you're dealing with a, a vertical spinner. Because you know the gyro effect, you can't turn properly. Uh, so you've you've got to you've got to ride a, a delicate balance. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. So can you tell us? I guess. Tell us a little bit about COVID-19 and your season this year. I mean, obviously, you know, um, New Zealand has been one of the better off nations uh, during this entire pandemic. They, they've kind of been lauded with their uh, their handling of everything. Uh, so what precautions did you guys take, you know, before coming to the competition, when you had to go home from the competition? How did all of that work out and kind of affect your season this year? Yeah, so... Um before the competition, um, we were we, we were ready to go in April. Um, we had the robot had the robot ready, um, and then obviously everything shut down. Uh, our pretty much our whole country went into lockdown for about four weeks, um, so we couldn't we couldn't work on the robot during that period. Couldn't couldn't travel around the country. Only I was I was allowed to go to work because I was working at an essential service, um, but you know everyone else was stuck at home. Um, and uh, just thankfully that lockdown worked so the country uh, was able to open up afterwards and um, BattleBot still wasn't wasn't set to go ahead so we got uh, maybe a couple months of of extra uh, refining and and testing to to really like shore the robot up before BattleBots which I think really helped actually uh, not so much, we didn't actually change much, but it gave us a lot more confidence because the extra testing let us you know, see that the robot was doing what we wanted it to do. And we're, we were more confident that there wasn't something hidden that we hadn't noticed that was gonna bite us in the ass during like one of our flights, like it did last year. Um, and then as far as like getting to BattleBots, it was easy to leave the country. They don't, they don't care if you leave the country because you know that's not dangerous, but um, the US was fine with us coming from New Zealand. Obviously, at the time, New Zealand, I think when we left, had like one or two, like less than 10 community cases or something. There was like a slight resurgence at the time. Uh, so we were able to get into the US, no problem, uh, no quarantine required. Uh, and then uh, the, the competition, I think, was done superbly. They did such a good job um, running uh, the, the competition in the environment that it was. Uh, and then on the way back, uh, after we came back from BattleBots, uh, we had to do a two-week um, session in a quarantine hotel. So pretty much just stuck in one room, unable to leave for about two weeks. Wow. I mean, that's part of why your nation's done such a good job. And uh, we often joke on our show that uh, the BattleBots team did a better job than the White House um, with their COVID protocols. So. Oh, I mean, they really did. I was so impressed. Uh, like they, they, they were really taking care of us. Um, I was a little concerned about how it would go when we, like, before we got over there. But you know, after the first couple of days and seeing how serious they were taking everything, I was, I, I was very comfortable, very confident in, in everything. I can only and, imagine. You know, it I mean, out. No one caught it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I can only imagine. I'm sure you were, uh, you know, seeing on the news like our numbers going up and, you know, crazy maskless protests and all that fun stuff. So, you know, we're not all like yeah, yeah. that, I promise. <laughs> I, would, I would tell my friends yes. about California and they'd be like, you're crazy. Like, 
why would you do that? Like, well, it's for battle bots. Well, you got I mean, you've got to be a little bit crazy to do this sport. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so I've got a question about the Krusty Grab. This comes from Bots FC, makers of Shatter. Um, they ask, are there any plans to bring Krusty Grab to BattleBots next season? And if so, where exactly are the batteries located? And how thick is the top armor? Asking for a friend. <laughs> so we, we do intend to bring it. Uh, it will be a matter of if we get enough and the right people to come. Uh, the crew that built it... Um, some of them couldn't come this year and we're missing a couple of the New Zealand crew as well. So um, we really, you really do need a full crew of four or five people per robot. And we couldn't wrangle that up this year to bring it. So hopefully next year we'll get everyone to come. Um, if you're looking for the batteries, I would try hitting right on the fork, the AR 500 fork. Um, the batteries are right under there. So um, if you smack <laughs> your hammer right into there, I'm sure you'll, you'll do some good damage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah in, re in regards to the top armor, uh, it is way too thick. That's that's yeah. how thick it is. It's, Don't even it's, try. I, actually, to be honest, it's about three inches above the batteries as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually that's actually not a lie. <laughs> um, so, you got a question from Sporkonop Captain Lilispect, who asks, "Hey, next time you leave a mini fridge at BattleBots for someone to take, can you leave me some snacks too?" Oh, that's a mini fridge. Like, we, <laughs> there was a reason why we left it. It didn't keep anything cold. Like, fuck <laughs> it, it was either too cold or you stick in the freezer. Uh, it was too warm or you stick in the freezer and then it's too cold. So, yeah. Yeah, like the freezer Pretty would good. freeze them, you know, after a day, um, you know, and that's not always what you want. Sometimes it was great, though. Like, I'd, I'd pull out just like a frozen block of, of water and just hold on to it for a while because god damn we're not used to la temperature like it's so it's so much hotter in la than it gets here uh, yeah uh, it does i mean it's pretty much on a desert so yeah um all right so battlebot superfan honorary sporkanok team member and basically at this point she should get a writing credit on our show mary Catherine carr asks um, I spied some new ladies with y'all on Thursday, so please tell us about your new team members. Uh, so uh, those team members are Devin and Emma. Uh, Emma is Jack's friend from uh, from Microsoft. Uh, they've built the Krusty Grab. One of the team members that built the Krusty Grab, and awesome. Devin's just my my friend's wife. <laughs> yeah, so so they're both engineers. Jeez. Uh, Emma was going to be the captain of the Crusty Grab this year, um, but she wanted to come with Endgame. So, um, oh, that's cool. Fantastic. Yeah, it was fantastic to have some extra hands. Um, yeah, and, so and my, too, so yeah, yeah, I've got two. I've got two friends who, uh, crazily enough, um, a couple months before BattleBots moved from Auckland, where I live, to New York. What a time to do that! But they did. Uh, and so they were in the country already. So I, I, I couldn't invite both of them um, because we were limited in the team sizes. So I just invited Devin. That's awesome. Um, so Jack, what do you miss most about, what did you miss most about New Zealand while you were off gallivanting around Canada? Um, well, I was in Canada. I think the worst part was watching these guys test Endgame and, and put it together. And I'm kind of sitting there waiting for them to like call me in. And if they remember, they'll call me in, video it in as they do it. Um, but you know, there's a, a, bit, a bit of FOMO going on there as they're taking it out to the test spot and smashing things up and seeing how awesome it is. So I was pretty jealous of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, we got an interesting, another question from Mary Catherine Carr. Uh, do you guys just ship the robot bits in your crate or do you ever put anything fun? Like, um, anything that customs has ever given you trouble for? Uh, we never really hear too much about what goes on with the crate. That's all handled by the shipping company. Like BattleBots deal with that. Um, I don't think we've ever put anything weird in the crate. We take our batteries, um, in our carry-ons and that always gives us trouble. Um, oh. but as far as the crate, like there's just, there's not room for fun. Uh, this year, like literally we had to put the, we put the lid on and it wasn't quite closed and it only closed when we did up, did up all the screws. Like that's how tight the crate was this year. Yeah. So, so we not only take the robot, we take, we, we take three robots and we take all our tools, all our spears, you know, um, you know, power tools, hand tools, and it, it ends up our crate is over two thousand pounds uh, by the time it ships. So there's a lot of stuff in there, but it's all it's all essential. Um, and we no, still don't even have the tools we need. We still have to borrow like yeah, thanks, Donald. borrow stuff from from the teams next to us, like Donald Hudson. Uh, we use half of his tool. He's very graciously lets us. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I have a philosophical question for you guys next, Jack. Please tell us what T-Swift song Nick is. And then Nick, while he's answering that question, please think about what SpongeBob character Jack is. Hmm, let me just bring up some Taylor Swift songs. Take a look. What would Nick be? I, I, I feel like it would be cop-out answer to say in-game, so I'm going to go with a different one, even though obviously he would be in-game. Um, <laughs> what, what have we got here? In-game's the only Taylor Swift song I know, <laughs> legitimately. <laughs> maybe maybe he'd be style, because he always brings, you know, the, the cool shirts, and he's always pretty stylish. Um, Ooh, I like that. Maybe, I like maybe, that. maybe that one, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it would, it would be second to in-game, because Nick, you know, is, is in-game, yeah. Obviously. So, Nick, please tell us what SpongeBob character Jack is. Oh, God, I just... Looking up SpongeBob characters now. <laughs> I think I'd be this Sandy. Looks, looks, you think you'd be Sandy? <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. I mean, that might be. That might be. That might be correct. Pearl crabs. <laughs> nah, definitely Gary. Actually, I reckon I'd be Larry the Lobster. Larry the Lobster. <laughs> like the big, the big buff lobster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what his his personality is like. <laughs> So. <laughs> All right. So, if you had to choose a tweet, a T Swift song as Endgame's theme song that was not Endgame, what would it be? Ooh. Like, think about your entrance music, right? You're walking out to the box. You're ready to just kick some bot. Mm -hmm. You've got to have a song in the background to pump you up. Which T Swift song are you going with? That's a hard one. There's. There's a lot of Taylor Swift songs. Uh, none of them are really like pumpy up ones, though. Is the issue? Um, I would pass this to Nick, but he doesn't know any songs, so I guess it's on me. Hold uh, on, I could just look up a list and, and, and pick one on his name. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's got to be on the sound. You know, Taylor Swift. It's a story. It's a story. Um, There's a song called Sparks Fly. Sparks Fly. Yeah, I was about to say that. Yeah. Yeah. That, it's not that it's is, not a hyper song, but it is like it, I like that song. So I'd 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 be I'd be feeling pretty calm if we walked out to that. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. 
Um, and then our final question from Mary Catherine Carr. Um, so now that you've taken down Tombstone, asking for about 57 other friends, who's next on your list? Obviously, we know that Bite Force isn't here this season. So who do you want? First off, congratulations on having 57 friends. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> Uh, I think I think we didn't really have anyone else like on our list. I think we were pretty happy with with everyone from then. No one else had really stood out as you know being a you know the one you needed to beat, you know, the gatekeeper of the giant nut kind of thing. Like it was pretty much just Doomstone. Maybe uh, maybe a witch doctor fight would have been cool. Um, yeah, witch doctor was probably the next in line, right? Yeah, that's yeah. That's, that's that's a good point. Yeah, I mean they were the runner up last season, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. Well, guys, uh, thank you so much for taking time out of your work days to uh, hang out with us and talk to us. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing you guys and Endgame in the Battle Box for the rest of the season. I mean, what a fantastic start, and uh, we really appreciated talking to you guys. All right. No problem. Thank you much. Yeah. After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. All right, David, I know that we kept you a long time, but there's just one short segment left. Is that cool? I was just going to ask. I can stay on longer if you would like. Sometimes uh, Robots Around the World goes off the rails a little bit. Um, you do have me here, and I am very good at running off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> but staying on track. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Welcome back from the break. Time for Robots Around the World. Today, we're traveling to Atlanta, Georgia, where researchers at Georgia Tech have built a robot designed to compete against humans in rap battles. The robot, named Shimon, listens to the words that its opponent uses and uses them as a jumping off point to compose new lyrics on the fly. Um, so yeah, I don't really know what to say about this one other than uh, it's something I would love to listen to. I, I mean, I don't know if a robot can really uh, mimic the same like flow as, as a human can and the same rhythm and carry the same like musicality, um, but it can probably say a lot of words really, really, really fast. All right, everybody, uh, I'm gonna, I think we should take a pause, watch this YouTube video, okay? All right, Dave. I'm gonna I'm gonna send you the YouTube video in the chat here, because uh, this this robot is awesome. All right. Yes, I am watching it now. Shimon the raps. That is a sassy looking robot. Yeah, right. It's it's like it's like a '90s robot. Like I really love the uh, the, the the eyebrows, you know, on this thing. You know the. Uh, the the ball at the end of the arm, you know, it looks like it could be a, a Star Wars robot or something, you know, kind of grungy. The eyebrows are definitely the best part of that robot. I mean, there's also the wrapping. Ah! <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you know, I'm going to have to say, I think Dash Smith won that battle. Um, <laughs> But I agree that robot. I don't know what is it about that robot. It gives me like like 
War of the Worlds vibes or something, like when the things come off the ships and they're like looking around, checking you out, mm. trying to kill you, stuff like that. That thing is, <laughs> it is really interesting, but I will give it credit. It it does put together the, the words itself quite well. Yeah. Dave, I, I feel like, I feel like, you know, Rusty 2.0 maybe needs some, some eyebrows, you know? I can't do that, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Eyebrows, more moving parts. <laughs> you guys got your mind. But I, I mean, see, you want to know what's trouble? It's is I'd have to find a functional purpose for the eyebrows. Mm, yeah, mm. conveying emotion. You know, like maybe before battle. You know, it kind of like it looks like the the eyebrows are mad. You know, and if it's yeah. if it wins, you know, like it just starts kind of going up and down in celebration. It could be kind of yeah. great. Yeah. Or they're yeah. secretly like projectiles or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah that's pretty good. Know, they blast yeah. off at the last minute, you know. It yeah. uh we'll, we'll do a little double 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 jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> a real brow beater. Oh that's another that's another killer. It's oh, a killer pun. That was beautiful. Oh my god. Did you guys watching the subsequent video? <laughs> 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 Dave's just like three or four videos down this rabbit hole right now. Oh, this one's like playing music or something. He's like playing robot music featuring Shimon, the robotic marimba. Marimba, remember? God, I can't even talk. Player. Yeah, yeah. What I'm telling you, this 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 robot is is multi talented. It's even like jamming. It's like bobbing its head and everything. Go and check this out on YouTube. Well, that's about it for us today. We'll be back in your feed next Wednesday with another mystery guest. We'd love to thank our uh, our co-host for the day, David Eaton. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you all next week, folks. Thank you, guys. It's always a pleasure. See ya. Bye. Shimon versus Rusty 2021. <laughs>